Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Building downtown. Building downtown. Hey, yo, it's the Building Downtown. You can follow us on social media at the Building DT. I'm your host, Jason Kelly. You can follow me at J Kelly MMA. You can follow my co-host Amy Barton at Ames Bell. And my other co-host who couldn't be with us tonight, unfortunately, Krill Kasatsky. Follow him at Apostle Raps. And make sure you stay up to date on his social media right now as he's transitioning from Russian to English hip hop. There's a trailer out for his debut English hip hop song called Nicest Yet. And uh, the video will be coming along shortly. Now, what we going on to, got going on tonight, KOT Grand Prix stuff. When this thing started off in September, we got in, we got behind it quick. First, we had on the Captain of the South. We had we did two shows with him direct, spent over three hours with him. Then the Captain of the East, Poison Pen, spent over four hours with him. Now we're going to the West, spending some time with the Captain. This man has been between two people hurling insults at each other more than every bouncer at every bar and nightclub in the entire world. Throw your roosters up. Give me an Uno, Lush One. How's it going, my man? Man, man, back in full effect. You think you hold the cards? I pull the deck. Oh play shit! Uno, come on. There it is. There it is. So, Lush, I have been a fan of battle rap for a very long time, and almost as far back as my memory of battle rap goes, you go, you go almost as far back. So, where did battle rap come into your life? Um, when my mom was in her third trimester, um, <laughs> she was she was walking through a park in the South Bronx. No, um, I think it was. Uh, I just remember, you know, being gr- born and raised in Los Angeles. There is always a, a heavy element of freestyle battle rap, hip hop culture was around me from a young age, and I just remember. Uh, being in middle school, cats was rhyming a lot, you know what I mean? And you would just, and it would, due to the intrinsic need that MCs have to try to get attention and impress, in particular, females, it would often escalate into a battle. And um, <laughs> that was around the time I started really uh, trying to rhyme myself. So it was just, it was up and it was stuck from an early, from an early age. So were you a fan of hip-hop before freestyling and battling or vice versa? Nah, nah. I mean, to me, like, like freestyling is an essential aspect of the emceeing element of the culture. You know what I mean? Yes, like, I agree. In fact, all elements have elements of freestyle. There's freestyle dancing that b-boys do. There's, you know what I mean? Like, just DJs going off and going crazy with the cuts. Un, un, unrehearsed, just impromptu. That's, you know, freestyle DJing, like fools catching random spots, freestyling and graffiti. So, no, I was, uh, so it's it's one and the same, but I was into hip hop from a super early age. My older brothers put me on, you know, Ice T, NWA, the Fat Boys, Eric B and Rakim, you know, before I could, before I could understand all the bad words I was saying. I was saying. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I'm with you there. I got I got in at a young age too, like late '80s. Uh, I was born in '80, and as a little kid, the the group of buildings I grew in, right, all the kid grew up in, all the kids played together. So, you know, there were some kids that I played road hockey with or whatever, and they were they were 13 while I was eight or some shit. So I was exposed to some NWA, Big Daddy Kane, and uh, like the things NWA was spitting. I was having this conversation with somebody not too long ago. To me, it seemed like a movie because I was so young. And it wasn't until the Los Angeles riots happened. I was old enough to realize what was going on. I was like, yo, that shit they're saying is for real. And that the the reality, the real, I guess, street rap or whatever they wanted to call it that time, that drew me in even more. Uh, was there a, a style that drew you in more, whether it be you know, what was considered gangster rap? Or I know that you're a huge fan of the Bay Area hip hop and, and all that movement. But was there a style that drew you in first more than the other? Or may, even though you might flip shit here and say, yeah, New York style. I mean, I couldn't, when I first heard it, I didn't really, wasn't able to differentiate it. Um, but I would say that I definitely like the aggressive, hard-edged nature of gangster rap being from L.A. Of course, it spoke to me. But, you know, I, what I love about hip-hop, it's kind of like you said, is it creates a visceral experience and transports you to a different place. You know what I mean? And you get to learn about different cultures the the different idiosyncrasies of all these specific regions i I feel like hip-hop music is a reflection of the specific area that it comes from so you know i was kind of i was into all of it from an early age you didn't really hear too much outside of new york and la and that's that's really what it was Mm -hmm. and do you remember like are you old enough to remember when the riots were going on and how that affected hip-hop and the music that was coming out especially from the la area yeah, one hundred percent. So um, I was. What, I'm born what was that like? It was. I have a. I remember being. I was in downtown LA when the riots started. Actually, whoa! And it was crazy. I was. Um, I was with my mom, and one of my other homies and his mom, and we were at a movie premiere. Actually, you're like a screening for a movie. My dad's in the film industry, so. Oh okay. We were at a little screen. Happened to be one of my little white homies, too, actually. And, um, you know, we watched the movie. It was kind of whack. Woomp-de-woomp-woomp. And we're in, like, the main hallway, like, the lobby of the theater. And then a bunch of fools ran up on the theater, started pounding on the outside of it. And I remember uh, somebody, actually, I I have vivid memory to this day. Somebody with a spray can sprayed the word guilty on the theater. Oh, I could see shit. it through the windows. Like the, the 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 outside walls were all like windows. So you could see directly them motherfuckers could easily throw a brick through that bitch. Mm-hmm. Fuck. How wow. how old this was yeah. what? So this was ninety two. I was um ten years old. Because <sighs> my birthday is in December. So yeah, my birthday's actually tomorrow. Yeah, happy birthday, Eve. Happy birthday, happy birthday. Um, but yeah, so I remember that vividly. And then, and then, um, you know, like we run to the parking lot, get in the car, and I remember my mom telling us, like, yo, me and my homie, like, duck in the back, like, get down on the fucking floor. You feel me? Like, and I was like, oh, I'm scared, mom. I don't want to. Do I have to? And my mom's like, get on the fucking floor. She's like, the sweetest oh. lady ever barely you know she's italian though from the bronx so when she turns up it's like it's a, <laughs> a noticeable contrast but it's also 
from her usual demeanor, but it, like she knows how to do it, being who she is, where she's from. So like, yeah, I was, and I remember being terrified and driving back to the West Side and just hearing carnage all around me, just hearing like people shouting and you know, it was a full blown riot. And um, and my imagination, obviously, like it, that shit looked like apocalypse now to me, like in my head. I don't know yeah. really what it was looking like but you know i could see uh i could see the flames and this i could see the smoke from the riots uh from from my crib for a while you wow. know like the direct effects of the city and like you know th- them riots really tore an asshole through la and took a good 15 years plus to fully recover from mm-hmm. and you being someone who's you know so into hip-hop from day one what was that like with the the racial divide because it's not like you know the riots ended and everything was all you know fine and dandy there was still racial tension and it's you know hip-hop is a black culture and you being a white person in that in well you know you weren't lush one at that time but still a fan of it there's still a certain way you wanted to dress still a certain music you wanted to rock right was there like do you have to move a certain way even as you know a 10 11 12 year old and think about those things you know it's crazy because um L.A. is one of the most diverse cities in the world, but at the time, it still is to this day kind of like this, but much more so intermingled, but it's a very segregated city, you know, like the the east side of town is predominantly Latino, Um, south central L.A. is predominantly black, west L.A. is predominantly white. It's so specifically you know it's it's a gang town and these little things uh you know redlining gentrification all that these different things keep the city really separated to the point where you know you got korea town you got thai town you got little tokyo you got you know like it's not even just divided by race like each specific really specific ethnicity has their own neighborhoods you know, little Armenia, like it's it's crazy the extent it, it that you see the division. So you have all these different cultures there, but they're kind of in their own areas. And um, most people won't even venture outside of their zones like that. Like you didn't really see too many white people venturing into East East Los or South Central LA. Um, me, I was one of the people because of my love for hip hop. I kind of transcended those boundaries mm. and went to places that I normally didn't go. And I, I feel like the, the, I, I'm someone that I'm somewhat of a unicorn because I always felt more accepted by other cultures than my own. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like being a white boy, I never, and I think part of that's because like I come from mixed religious backgrounds, you know what I mean? Like grew up in an area where I was kind of different being that there's mainly Jewish people around me, I wasn't Jewish, you know what I mean? So it was kind of weird, and I kind of felt out of place and not accepted by a lot of people, and it was, I always got love from the black homies and the Mexican homies and always felt more accepted by them. And when I when I transcended the, those legitimate, like, you know, territorial and racial boundaries, I didn't have the element of fear in me. Mm-hmm. And that there was no fear in my heart. It was a genuine curiosity and love 
and it wasn't as an outsider. It was someone that was just, I've had hip hop in my heart and soul, not to sound corny. So when I went into these other areas, it wasn't like, oh, I shouldn't be here. And I never felt out of place. And yeah, I got tested. And when I proved my worth lyrically by displaying my talent, it was really easy for me to break those boundaries down. I never really felt like I was out of place. You know, like there's, I got to the point where I was damn near confused <laughs> on what the <laughs> hell I was for a while to the point like, you know, there's, but before there was FUBU, there was other clothing brands that were only worn by black folks. Like uh, there's Mecca USA. I don't know if you remember that brand. Yeah, yeah. Big. I remember Mecca. In the early nineties. Like, yeah. And I had the, uh, I had LL Cool J's jacket, his blue and yellow jacket, Mecca USA from, from the Hey Lover video. <laughs> um, I saw that jacket. It was fire. I needed that. You feel me? My parents wouldn't get me clothes like that. They would only get me shit from the gap or whatever. So that kind of started, uh, jump started my entrepreneurial mind state at a young age, hustling, stealing, whoopie whoop to get, to get, you know, racking gear and all that shit. That was a big thing for me. And that was a big part of hip hop culture was like the physical expression, like the clothes and all that. So, and I remember wearing that jacket and getting pressed over it. Like you're not supposed to be wearing that and damn and getting into physical altercations because of the way I dressed and shit like that. But at the end of the day, like it was me through and through from day one. Huh. Now we, you mentioned, you know, the, the segregation, whether it be gang race, whatever it may be, battle rap, especially the wild, wild west. Sorry for the, the shitty pun, but the, the wild, wild west days of battle rap, uh, you know, it was, going from territory to territory, saying things that are, you know, the rudest possible things you can say about another man to his face. How dangerous was that at that time? Did people really did it, did people almost have to get a a pass to go into another place and battle a guy? And, you know, make sure he's not going to get jumped, stabbed, shot, whatever, for saying some disrespectful shit in the wrong neighborhood? So L.A. Um, gang culture and gangster rap culture has always been the biggest thing as far as the streets of L.A. But, like, conscious hip-hop lives there, too. And you wouldn't really, you wouldn't necessarily know that unless you actually venture deep into those sections. And there is, like, hate, there is, like, little havens which really championed that aspect of the culture, like in LA, like, you know, the Good Life Cafe, Project Bloat. I was going to the Bloat from a young age as an observer and just, you know, kind of adjacent participant in the culture since, you know, since the golden era. And, um, you know, in places like that, you have a bunch of people that whether they're in gangs or affiliate, you know, everyone's, if you grew up in LA, you like, you're like, it's six degrees of separation, but as far as gangs go, it's literally like two degrees of separation. Mm. You know, everybody, if you're not directly in a gang, you know, somebody that is, and your or your neighborhood has a gang that's in that territory. And that's just, that's just the way LA is broken down. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Okay. And, so who's, um, Oh, sorry. So, sorry. Go ahead. So when, when, no, my bad. So when you go like in those environments, you have people that are in the throes of gang life and they're trying to escape it. Like people don't come to hip hop culture and battle rap if you're doing like, you know, real lyrical hip hop. Because like if you're just gang banging, that's one thing. But gang, like if you're 
trying to push the line for gangster rap, you're not going to open mics and shit like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> you're on the corner banging on fools. Like it's yeah. it's different. So the people, even if you're even if you're a gangbanger and you're doing like traditional hip hop MCing and shit, you're not going to those environments to press that line. So although some of your homies might be there and the and the energy is still there, like it, it gets broken down because you're trying to escape the everyday realities of, of gangster life. So, you know, like you go there and it's the point of battling has never been to disrespect your opponent. It's to, it's who can rep better. And yet, does that entail dissing your opponent and being disrespectful? Yes. Oftentimes it does, but it's not mutually exclusive. So when people would get into it back and forth, whoopie, whoopie, whoop. Yeah. That's a, a whole part of the thing, but it's, um, it's for the purpose of lyrical supremacy and dominance and whoever comes off doper, that's what it is. Now I'm not going to lie and say that that doesn't, that I never saw that lead to physical <laughs> altercations. Cause yeah, it, it's definitely gone down and shit like that. But you know, I've seen, I've seen battles. Like I've been in environments where it's predominantly crips, let's say, and then like a crew of bloods will roll up and be on some battle rap shit and like if that's just how it stays and those huh. folks, even if you're from a rival hood this or that you get a pass because that's what the environment is you know nowadays it, it might not be as as accepted like that and shit might pop off but then again like the politics of la are so weird like people think that all crips are cool with each other and all bloods like they don't get along with but that's not the case like it's neighborhood to neighborhood like there's certain crip gangs that have rivalries with other crip gangs which goes back 20 plus years now 30 40 years you know what i mean that mm. goes back to the to the early 80s type shit and um and those hoods will never get along but it's not just like oh you're wearing red we we're enemies it's like certain like you're into it with who you into it with like certain hoods are enemies of certain hoods and whether or not they're under the crip or blood banner like it, it's really complicated like and you kind of have to know the landscape and the politics of the city to fully understand it what you you said earlier, there there was a time when you felt almost like you're you know didn't really know who you were, didn't really know like what you know what your identity is, what your makeup is on your background, just because of uh, coming from a, a different, a various religious background and, and whatnot. Now, what you're talking about now is a lot of ways for a young man to get pulled into, and you're traveling, you know, through this hip hop from set to set, whatever you may call it. Uh, how often do you see it? Cause obviously, you know, you made it to a certain point where you didn't get uh, a life sentence or get put in a coffin or anything. Right. So uh, how often have you seen people, you know, say they're good rappers, good battlers, or maybe even they got something else going on, but because of that, there's so many little areas they can get pulled down. You know, things go to shit for them. Their life goes down the drain at a young age before they even get started. Is that a thing that is fairly common? I got several homies that, you know, I can't even name all my homies that are dead or doing football numbers in the, in the penal system. You know, like it's, I, I get calls on the regular from my home. I got homies that are, yeah, like I said, doing football numbers, doing life. You yeah. know what I mean? Some, and a lot of them are some of the best rappers I've ever heard that would literally, if you posted in the King of the Dot talk back group on Facebook, a verse from one of these dudes, it, everyone would be like, oh my God, he needs to 
battle loaded lux or you know what i mean like some of the 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 dopest rappers the dopest rappers i've ever seen before are people that nobody's ever heard of shit it's funny i brought this up when poison pen was on i being in combat sports for years he probably said the same shit i well actually i was telling him i uh when, in, when I was covering combat sports, I used to look outside the box. I didn't just want just the fighters on it, like celebrity fans, people had other things going on, but we're also a fan. And Cormega, I'm sure you know who that is. He was a, a boxing champion when he was in Rikers. So I was like, there's my angle. Cormega, he's my favorite rapper of all time, right? I just think he's fucking God on the mic. So, yeah, love, I mean, he's still. Mega told me, you will never hear the best rapper alive. Because the best rapper alive, he can't put his shit together long enough to make it into a career. He's on the corner. He's doing something fucking up. Or he just doesn't have the drive. And he's like, you're never going to hear the best rapper alive. It's just impossible. So he's saying the same shit you're saying. You know, it's just, it's a damn shame that as fans, right? You know, obviously, as somebody's your homie, that's a a bigger shame. But speaking strictly as a hip-hop fan, it is a damn shame thinking about you know the, the talent that we don't get to hear even the famous guys like the tupacs and biggies they didn't have a ton of material and that was wiped out from us yeah people forget people don't realize because that biggie smalls was 24 years old when he died he just he has such uh an og aura about him you know what i mean and he was older than me when i first heard him obviously so like <laughs> he was like the big homie and shit but it's crazy that it was a 24 year old kid he's the yeah. same age as saint you know what i mean like, yeah no shit no shit the trip to think about um yeah like uh, there's this dude i'm homies with named dish dash okay from east oakland this dude freestyled he could freestyle off the top of his dome complete songs front to back with somehow he would know after 16 bars this is where the chorus comes in like and he would have a chorus like that he made up on the spot memorized like he was literally a fucking robot and it was all pure fire punchlines metaphors similes crazy flow patterns like all of that and he was like and this dude was never professionally recorded a record that you can find wow. on the internet ever he was just too deep in the streets uh shout to my homie dish if he ever happens to hear this uh my homie norm nizzle is you know uh that was one of the first dudes i used to record four track tapes with and we would sell them on the box like he's uh, you know he just he's uh been locked up for 12 13 years now and uh you know on an um on murder two charge and uh he actually comes home in a few years and you know i talked to him a few months back he called me from uh from the pen and uh like shortly after i got out of treatment i was chilling with my fiance in her hotel room and all of a sudden i get a call i recognize the area code there's a specific area code. <laughs> for some reason for some reason uh all in, in america all penitentiaries have the 713 area code which is actually houston texas i don't know why all penitentiaries have that area code but they do (laughs) maybe not all but a lot of them do as soon as i saw that i was like this is someone from the damn pen hitting me up and it was my partner norm and it was crazy to hear his voice that dude one of the best rappers or beat makers you'll ever be privy to and like it's just so crazy the way that works 
Wow. And on the, you know, the, I guess the positive side of that, who are some of the people that you linked up with early and, you know, there's, whether it be battle rap or hip hop and whether it be people like a Diz, someone like that, people know that you're friends or even guys that, you know, I know Corrupt had a run out in the West Coast. I think that was probably when you may be a little bit older or I could be completely wrong on the date, that the timeline of that. But, you know, just guys that you ran, you know, ran into and they they turned out to be something, whether you're still connected with them or not. Um, I mean, I'm still in one way or another connected to most of the people that I yeah. came up with. You know what I mean? Like, I kept it funky with my sandbox homies, you know, and we, we still have a relationship Um as far as like, there's definitely a lot of people that I was influenced by early that I wound up being cool with later in life. And that was super dope. Like most of the battle rappers and people within hip hop that y'all have heard of and shit like that, um, yeah. were like, we were kind of all doing our own thing independently of each other and wound up connecting several years later. Um, but the, like th- there's like people like AC alone from freestyle fellow. Oh yeah. Yeah. Shit like that. Who, who I was like a big fan of and used to see rhyming when I was a teenager and shit like that, who years later, you know, and like lucky I am from a uh, mystic journeyman living legends and shit. Mm-hmm. I used to look up to when we wound up doing music together years later and shit like that. Mac mall, you know, mm-hmm. grew up looking up to, used to wound up connecting and doing music together years later. So there's a lot of cool shit like that that happened. You know what I mean? Um, I just recently did a record with Crooked Eye, you know, uh, oh, dope. which was crazy. King Crooked, uh, you know, I got to do music with Sean Price, R.I.P., like mm. shit like that, which was crazy. These are all dudes that I looked up to at a, at a young age. Most of the people, when I was coming in the game, I was coming in the game as an outsider, like, like inside the culture, but like, I didn't have any industry connections. I didn't have anyone like pushing my line. Like, yo, this dude was, is, there's people that believed in me, you know what I'm mm. saying? But like, they didn't necessarily, they weren't knocking down the door. I had to knock down my own doors. Like mm-hmm. I have big homies and people that I call big bro, but in reality, like there, there was no big homie kicking the door down for me. The, and like, I, I had to, get i had to catch bodies on the mic and i had to kill ciphers and i had to make fire songs and stay consistent for people to recognize and notice me like yeah like what's crazy when you think about the whole fresh coast movement like you know past thesaurus ilmac no can myself like we've all been homies for 15 16 17 years now Mm -hmm. so so that's like we have long-standing relationships we've like well over a decade of rhyming together being cool with each other fucking with each other so um it's an honor and privilege to still be cool with all these folks and you know like um but what really like what really got me solidified is you know i moved up to the bay area to oakland california and uh i linked up with my brothers ajax and plex rock we formed Delmon Crew Delinquent Monastery, and that was like, that was the first real rap group that I was in. There was little crews and little things that I was fucking with beforehand, and you know I had big homies on the block that I rhymed with back in LA. But that was when I really got solidified, and we started performing and doing shows, putting out independent releases, becoming known locally, and doing shows out of city. 
out of state, continued to grow, boom, boom, boom. And that's like, it was through doing that that I linked up with all those other dudes that I mentioned and we, and it got bigger and bigger. Okay. And most people, most fans are under the impression that, uh, you and Diz were born on the same day and you guys started about rap together. When did you link up with Diz? We did. <laughs> um, you guys seek out so dry times or acting them or like, we're going to plant this layer and <laughs> no, but, uh, we were, yeah, like, we were, we were two little, two little sperm cells that fucking hopped the, that hopped <laughs> through the sewer waves and went up different ways. And wound up, I don't know. That's definitely my brother. That's my a one day one. Um, Diz, when I was up in the Bay doing my thing, he was down in LA doing his, um, and he, he's like only a couple years younger than me, but we're like from the same class of MCs and all that shit. And he, uh, Diz was, he was a part of a movement called the West Coast Pit, actually. So like every, a lot of people know about the Project Globe movement in LA. A lot of people know about like up in the Bay, we, we had this event called Tourette's Without Regrets. That's where like, you know, past the Soros, you know, myself, a bunch of us kind of were coming up. But what Diz was a part of this thing called the West Coast Pit was like a, a whole other movement. And it was a bunch of, it was super hood, but it was like, that was like, it's crazy when you look at the different rappers that came from that movement. It's like a who's who of the current landscape of LA hip hop. You had J-Rock and Kendrick Lamar used to battle over there. Ty Dolla Sign before he was, you know, singing songs about smoking weed and making coochies <laughs> wet coast to coast. He was doing, he was battle rapping over there. You know what I'm saying? You had, uh, you know, Kid Ink before he was a little commercial rapper and shit doing like Tiger type songs was battle rapping over there. You know what I'm saying? Like Compton AV, not to mention, you know, No Can Do was over there. Daylight was over there. Active was over there. Disaster was oh, over there. Shit. And um, so it was, it, it was a crazy scene. Not to mention there's a bunch of other dudes that were equally lit that no one's ever heard of type shit that were just killing it. And, um, Diz was like the champ of the West Coast pit. I had like seen little clips of him rhyming and shit, but wasn't really familiar with him. But then in 2007, we were both trying out for the jump off world rap championships, LA division. Mm -hmm. There's like something like 200 rappers came to Venice beach and um, we're doing like this little two on two tournament thing to see who could qualify for the LA division. And before we did the little qualifying rounds, everybody would spit a verse to, for the camera. And um, I remember it got the disaster. I kind of like, it was funny because him and I were like, we dressed in a similar outfit. <laughs> like we both had <laughs> colorful hats on. I had like an A's hat on. He had a Dodgers hat on. And they were both like weird, like bright colors on it type mm. shit. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. I remember looking at him, he was like the bizarro world evil version of me type shit, you know, <laughs> and um, I had like, yeah, I had like, I had like a gold, I had like three gold teeth, you know what I'm saying, never trust anybody, there's no, there's not a more dishonest look in the world than one gold tooth, so I had to hit him with <laughs> and um, I firmly believe that, but like, I had fangs, and they had like, you know, canary yellow diamonds and emeralds in it, they were lit, I missed my grill, and then, um, 
like I remember when Exclaimers and Disasters turned to spit his verse, like you know, I was like, yo, this dude is fucking hard. Like he had some shit. I remember he said like, um, uh, even if you was the Carl's Jr. sign, you wouldn't be a big star. Like he was saying crazy shit, but it was super hard. Like his delivery was super aggressive and fine-tuned and like technically was really advanced. And I was like, you know, I, I don't have a problem with battling anybody that's here right now, but I hope I don't have to battle this fool because he's, there's something about him that's kind of scary. You know what I mean? And then um, lo and behold, like 15, 20 minutes later, he winds up calling me out. He's like, I want to battle you. And he like points (laughs) at me. I'm like, Oh, great. Uh Then we wind up battling. Like it was a two on two, me and my homie versus him and his homie. And like, it was, I had a bunch of my people with me. He had his people. Everybody's turning up, getting ready to fucking fight each other. Like, who who knows how many guns were on on all of our friends between the two, you know what I mean? (laughs) Between the two groups of people, there's probably, like, enough fucking, uh, enough pistols to control the damn crowd at the L.A. riots. You feel me? Like, so, but, um, it wound up being a cool little battle, but, um, and Afterwards, it was mutual respect, and we were kind of homies ever since then. Hmm. Yeah, and I guess you guys probably would work well together. Like you said, he's it's like he's your your evil twin almost. So linking up with him from you know early days and working together, and even to well, you know, Saint was Saint on Saturday. You know, that was off camera. It looked like a slap. What leaked up there, but it's been it's been explained afterwards. It wasn't all that, but. You know, disaster, he could snap at any fucking moment. So from day one, you're like, okay, I'm going to have to fucking prevent this guy from certain things or at least talk him off the ledge every now and then. Is that something you knew from day one? I mean, like, I kind of learned it over time, the show. Like, it was weird because, like, he's always had that, like, erratic, chaotic energy, like, you know, like he's like walking nitroglycerin. He can fucking you set him off and he'll explode <laughs> at any time. But yeah. I never felt that energy directed towards me. Yeah, he's never physically like you know he said crazy shit to me and been very disrespectful over the years and shit like that. But never like projected his physical like he's never made me feel like he wanted to fight me or anything like that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So it's kind of weird. Like it's like you. Like being friends with disaster is like having a pet pit bull that you know bites people. But like, <laughs> dude, that is the best way I've ever heard anybody put that. That's like it's so weird. Like it's like he's the sweetest dog ever. What do you mean? I sleep next to him. You know what I mean? But yeah. like, but he fucking is has needs to wear a muzzle by due to an ordinance by the state of California because he's bitten <laughs> seven toddlers. Like yeah, like that's that's my that's what it feels like being friends with disaster. Um, it, it was crazy though because like after that moment where we first met, we were cool, but we weren't like best friends immediately. We were still both in, we, you know, I wanted qualifying for the LA division of the 2007 World Rap Championships. He wound up qualifying in New York, so like we would like talk every once in a while and see each other, but it wasn't like you know, we we didn't really deal with each other that much throughout the course of the next year. But then in 2008, grind time started getting popping. I did my first battle over there. And apparently he wanted to battle me. Oh, because I did my battle. And it was like, you know, getting a lot of love for it. 
had a lot of buzz on world star hip hop, all this shit. Mm. And I was like, kind of, he was kind of like, had folk, I didn't know this is unbeknownst to me because Diz apparently had moved back to Lebanon. So he's doing whatever the hell they'd be doing over there in Lebanon. I don't know. Fucking dodging missiles and shit. <laughs> and this fool fucking, uh, you know, and, and this fool had like, was like plotting on battling me, but I like, you know, I only did that one battle in grind time and then was doing the organization and getting the the west coast division set off and that started to get really popular really quick and then our second event i was like okay well thesaurus just battled madness thesaurus is the top dog in the league who do we have in battle next and me and direct were talking about it shout out to my partner direct and he was like um well we were like what about disaster we kind of came up with it together and then i got disaster's phone number called him in lebanon fucking 37 digit phone number and shit you feel me like (laughs) (laughs) called that fool and uh and i was like what's up fool you want are you down to battle to source and i didn't realize that i dodged a huge bullet because he was probably like in the middle of a fucking barren land landmine riddled field concocting schemes against me and then decided <laughs> to, to to direct that energy towards the Saurus instead so then when like in the ensuing weeks and months leading up to that battle we started talking a lot and you know the, he literally has called me since we've been on the phone right now he called me like 10 minutes ago so that conversation has not ended in 12 years <laughs> uh working with with grind time i'm that was fucking magic i mean for me and for a lot of battle rap fans there are so many classic battles that i watch to this day from the grind time era when you you know, you went there to battle, but then started working staff or whatever you want to call it. I, I talked to Direct about this too. You go into that. There's no blueprint. There's still not a blueprint. There's there's no college course you can take. There's no Everest you can fucking go to. None of that shit. So it was it like one of those ignorance is bliss things. Did you have an end goal? Are you like, you know what? I like this shit. There's something here. I'm gonna see what I can do with it. It was just about expanding the culture i see we seen we didn't have an idea what the end game was it was just about making it bigger than what it was right now that's always what it was from my perspective you know i i commend direct he had so much foresight for even knowing that a youtube league was going to be next in fact like when he first brought the idea to me i thought it was corny and I was like, yo, this ain't going to work. And I saw the first couple battles they were uploading. I was like, this shit's kind of weak. You feel me? But no disrespect to the rappers that were in it. It just, you know, it just wasn't motivating me at that point. But then when he, um, he did, they did Mosh Jelton versus Johnny Storm. And they hit World Star Hip Hop, mm. which was kind of in its infancy at that point, but was still like a one of the original viral hip hop sites. Way before it was synonymous for, you know, like baby mama's scrapping with shovels or whatever the fuck be going on on that website you feel me like (laughs) in its early day when it was actually when it was actually a hip-hop based site um that right there like it it popped up on that site and it got forty thousand views in one night which nowadays ain't shit right like people there's videos of a shrimp running on a treadmill that gets that many (laughs) views in 15 minutes right Mm. but at the time it was like huge and i was like okay well these fools are tight 
I fuck with this, but I know what me and my homies do in the West is as good, if not better than this. So let's get it. Let me fucking do this shit out here. And I pretty much, you know, direct and I had been cool because he was in the WRCs as well in the Atlanta mm-hmm. division. And, and we kind of, um, so we had a rapport. So it was easy for me to get, to get situated. So that's why I did my one battle to kind of, cause none of my other homies really had the foresight. They didn't really think that it was going to be a worthwhile endeavor until they saw me do it. And they saw the props that I was getting from it. They're like, shit, if the homie could do it, we could do it too. And, you know, they, they trusted me as an organizer, putting it together, curating the functions, the whole, the whole shindigs. And um, it wound up, being really really successful and dope and like you know like like you said there wasn't you know there's three of us running that company wasn't a college degree between the three of us at the time like i shit i cheated my way through motherfucking high school you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. i barely graduated high school i like (laughs) and you know my, my my only education was like a street education essentially and um so i didn't really have strong business acumen besides selling drugs and shit like that so i didn't even know really what I was doing, but we just knew that I just knew how to expand shit and make it bigger. And like, and that's what I was doing. Cause a lot of that came from the fact that, you know, our, the rap group I was talking about earlier, Delmont crew, when we were getting popping, when the, the prominent local acts weren't trying to book us and put us on and the venues weren't trying to have us be the openers for the big headliners. We were like, fuck it, let's throw our own shows. And that's kind of how we started building. And people, once we did that, people would come to the shows. They liked our music and it would expand from there. So I knew how to build from a grassroots independent level. I attribute a lot of that by living in the Bay Area. And for those that don't know, Oakland, California, the Bay Area, is a mecca of independent music for the entire world. Mm-hmm. So okay. that grassroots, that grassroots DIY independent hustle that goes back to you know the punk rock era and shit like that. That goes that goes back generations, way before hip hop was a thing. People mm-hmm. were like, if you couldn't get it for, for if you if your music was deemed by the industry to not be marketable to the masses, but you still had the passion and knew that there was talent in the audience for you, but it just didn't, you weren't coloring within the lines of what was deemed commercially accessible. The Bay Area's always had an open ear to that, like those eccentric, unique sounds that don't really, that you can't really define within a, a specific style or genre or whatever you want to call it. So being in that environment, that taught me that it's okay to be myself and to, uh, as long, you know, like if you build it, they will come. Feel the dreams. That's mm-hmm, essentially mm-hmm. what we did. And when you were uh, scouting, so to so to speak, uh, with grind time, or maybe it was even before that, when you first started coming across what was going on up here, the actually this would have been a little before that. I know Bishop would have been, but the Bishops, the, the Organics, uh, I guess Nameless was in the WRCs up here. Kid Twist. Coming across those guys, who were some of the first uh, Canadians that caught your eye? And and also after this, be honest. As you know, LA, your crew, when you guys are looking at the Gannicks and this and that before you knew them, what were your initial thoughts? Well, Organic was my homie for like a long ass time. Like Organic and I were two of the original people that were posting on 
rapmusic.com, which was mm. you know originally called mcbattles.com, which was like literally that was the epicenter of battle rap culture right there. So like th- before it was this huge self-sustaining, self-perpetuating scene, there was probably like a fan base of like, and I don't mean just casual observers and people that would um, happen upon it or see a battle now and then, but like actual fans who knew, who had the names of the specific rappers in their lexicons and things like that. There's maybe one or 2000 people in the entire world that were really tuned in and watching battle rap. And um, organic and myself were two of the two of them. And we were also two of the, two of the first battle rappers up there that had footage of our own. So, you know, I saw organic battling from the time he was 16. I've known him for that long. You know what I mean? Like in the early two thousands, way before that's how come organic and I have always been hella cool. And he's one of my best homies because no matter what happens in the game, we have a relationship that predates all this shit. You feel me? Like Mm. I wouldn't be surprised if I've known him I don't, maybe not Gully, but like a lot of these other fools, I've probably known organic longer than he's known 95% of the people he knows in battle rap. So, and we were always cool. We had a mutual respect. I I thought he was dope. You know, that was my first impression of him. And I really like, we loved all of us in LA and shit. We loved Kid Twist. Oh yeah. Like we thought he was fucking hilarious and we fucked with, he was the first one that like, besides organic really like kid twist was like we're like yo we love this fucking kid and i think because he uh you know he wasn't trying to be tough he was just super funny and he was being himself he reminded he reminded us of like he he could have been one of us damn near the way he rapped and shit he was Mm. super funny and uh we were drawn to yeah definitely we all were on the kid twist type especially during the, it was before WRCs we started fucking with him when when his footage had come had leaked to a, to rapmusic.com but then shortly thereafter when when he was at a cuz it's like yo I remember meeting a couple other fools from Canada like at Scribble Jam and they were kind of whack to be honest mm-hmm. with you but do you remember their names across, or do you just don't want to say them I mean I don't want to be mean you feel Okay me? that's, fine, that's, fine. that's fine that's fine that's yeah. fine that's <laughs> yeah. fine the old me would have said it. I mean, I want you to say them, but go ahead. <laughs> he can text you off air. <laughs> We're out here shitting on people. They're, 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 not, they're, they're not even, as far as I know, they're, they're, they're definitely not active in the battle rap circuit. And, um, you know, they're just, they've moved on. One of them was fucking telling, he just smelled bad and was trying to sleep on people's floors at the motel. And he was Aww. fucking curry ass hippie fool. And, like, and he, he was all right, but he was kind of whack. And then there's this other fool that like tried to like, anyways, the, like, but so it wasn't even like, there wasn't like, um, they didn't put like a bad taste in our mouth because like, we already knew that there was dope rappers in Canada. I mean, like, you know, fools had heard of Swollen Members and the Rascals and shit, those fools from Vancouver and you know what I mean? Oh, but the Rascals. Were, That's, now you're pulling out like, old names. Motherfuckers knew about fucking Cardinal Official and Charles Blair and Maestro Fresh West. Let your backbone Let's slide. Backbone slide. <laughs> yeah. So I, I knew about, like, there was dope rappers in Canada. Like, 
it just like like I said, like I said this earlier in the interview, like hip hop is a window into different neighborhoods and styles. Like if it wasn't for hip hop, I would have never known about like the huge Jamaican influence in Toronto. That was like, and it was, that was literally from hearing informers snow and shit. Like I didn't know, <laughs> oh that there, I didn't even know. I don't even think I knew that there was like that many black people in Canada before I, before like I put two and two together from that shit. And now like it's completely different. And there's like, there's so many dope rappers all through like the Toronto hip hop scene is ridiculous. And um, actually it's super grimy and there's a lot of fucking gangster rap of their drill music in Toronto is huge right now. Like a lot of people aren't even up on that, but um, organic was always dope to me. Kid twist was always dope. And like, like I said, like I respected them because they were kind of doing, they had that, even though they were from all the way over there, they had the Bay area do it yourself mentality as well. And I think one of the reasons I was able to I incorporate that mentality plus my L.A. cutthroat, not giving a fuck attitude and combine that. And that was like my recipe for success right there. But, yeah, the Canadians were in the mix from day one. Hmm. So when being so familiar with organic, when organic versus disaster went down, uh, did oh, what God. did you did you have anything to do with uh, facilitating that and putting that together? And uh, what were you I booked all them battles. I booked yeah? all of them battles back then. Uh, every single one of them. Like every single battle you would see me host during that era, I booked all of them myself. Holy alone. shit. M- maybe direct I would fuck with you feel me? And like that's like the only like direct me, like a little bit pH and poison pen, like with certain fools from out of state and shit. Like and I'll be and my boy Fox from the jungle. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember him. Those are the only people that I even consulted with, with booking matches. I was doing that shit myself. And, um, yeah, like organic versus disaster. They like, were getting into back and forth online. There was, you know, um, West coast first Canada, little rivalry popping up king of the dot grind time and organic. And I were homies the whole fucking time. So mm-hmm. it was easy to make that happen. Yeah, yeah. If they, what about those two? Were they? Did they want to do it? I mean, obviously, you said they were talking shit back and forth. But as far as getting the the battle to happen, setting a date, getting them to agree to whatever the terms were, length of rounds, whatever it may have been, um, was there any difficulty there, or were they both just like, "Fuck yeah, let's get it done"? Dude, there was way less politics back then. It yeah. was just like if you like, you weren't gonna step to somebody or talk shit unless you were down to battle them. Like mm. now, it's like you have to be on my level and if we have to get this amount of money or I don't think those fools didn't get paid to do that battle. You know what I'm saying? Like I think I'm pretty sure organic threw himself out from Canada. Like, mm. you know what I mean? Like it was, there was no, there was none of this like preconceived weird, like things that you, there, there was no prerequisites. It was just, Oh, they're, they're talking shit. They're both popping right now. People were pushing for it. They wanted to see it. The battles kind of set themselves up almost. There was I was able to go on that rapmusic.com website and like start like a new thread and be like, okay, like I'm throwing an event on this date. Who's interested in battling? And I could low key just publicly book battles. Holy shit! Yeah, that's like the. It was crazy. All the events I, I've been to live have been uh, KOTD in Toronto. And like those those blackouts back in the day, there would be two or sometimes even three day events. And, you know, it would be just an A-list lineup with like 20 or 30 battlers on the thing. 
And uh, nowadays, to pull that off, I would assume that the price tag would be so much higher back than Blackout, you know, two or four or five or whatever the hell. Is that correct? Yeah, there's. I think we're. I don't even know what Blackout we're on now. That's just, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, it's crazy when you look back at that. Well, a lot of it too. I mean, it's not like they were all grind time guys, but a lot of them were. Uh, you know, well, I was familiar with them from grind time, so they were already like you know, stars in my mind, so to speak. And so when I would go to an event, a two-day event in Toronto, and it's got friggin' everyone on it, Solcom, Pat's Day, Head Ice, this, that, like, it's a, a laundry list of stars. There's a, t- Town Business 2 is the closest thing I can think to that that's happened in recent memory. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, Town Business, well, you know, Town Business is an extension of the Battle of the Bay event series, and yeah. um, which I started in... 2008 and that was kind of like the the concept like by the time we were at battle of the bay three there were two day events you know i mean as with as star-studded as possible and uh, organic and disaster was actually at battle of the bay five at that Mm -hmm. same event we had pass versus hollow the dawn aver versus marv one we had (laughs) like it was in like the card was insane and um they were all you know Barely anybody getting like I booked fucking Aver for a flight of three hundred dollars, which is Christ. like compared like this dude getting ten racks to battle now, fifteen racks to battle, you know, like mm. three hundred fucking dollars. You know, we had um, Arsenal versus Conceded was on that card. Conceded Holy shit. didn't even get paid. Wow, that's insane yeah. to think about. That is insane, and it's 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 cool to think about because now it's actually something you can make a, a living doing. Maybe not necessarily, but you can make a, you can make it a stream of income or source of income and parlay it into other opportunities in life. Like we've seen so many of these guys do over the years. You know, conceded he Absolutely. made a fucking boatload of money off while and out, right? And it's all for, he started. You know, not started right where the battle you're talking about, but back in that day of not even getting paid to battle. Actually, that was his. That was his first big battle ever. Yeah, he had done two two battles before that. We had been uh, him versus R.I.P. Tall T, and um, he had one other battle before that. That was his third battle ever. Was versus Arsenal. Knowing Gannick for so long, when did you first first start hearing about the King of the Dot? Hit the gears in his head moving to start King of the Dot. Was it long before Inception, or was everyone kind of kept in the dark, even people close to him like you? Nah, well, like, um, King of the Dot and Grind Time, like, I think we had our first events, if not the same day, it was, like, the same week. It yeah. was some crazy random <laughs> shit like that. And um, and he was, uh, King of the Dot was originally going to be, like, a freestyle series. There's some shit called, like, Proud to Be A. Yeah, yeah, um, I remember Battle that. MC. Yeah. yeah. I and remember that was the... So that was like what was going on and like him and I weren't heavily talking at that time, but we were kind of both moving. We were all like keeping an eye on each other and loosely inspired by what one another were doing. And, um, you know, as grind time, grind time picked up right around the same time KOTD did. And it was, you know, they were doing events outside and, um, Dundas square or whatever it's called. Right. And we were doing uh shit in Mosswood park in Oakland and it was, literally like damn near simultaneous trajectories and uh mm. so like i wasn't I, I don't know when the exact moment it dawned on him hey well, i think a big influence for 
both of us, honestly, was another Canadian league called the Elements League over yes. in Nova Scotia. And I remember watching Pat Stay and uh, those dudes battling in a fucking classroom or like it was, <laughs> yeah. it was like an empty wrestling mat or whatever, a wrestling ring and shit. And I remember seeing them dudes battle like Pat Stay versus Miracle. Miracle? Pat yeah. Stay versus Je- Jesse Ito was the first one I saw, I think. And uh, yeah, yes. Pat was obviously incredible. But th- just the fact that they had like a structured league with wins and losses and shit, I think that's definitely, I'm pretty sure Direct already told you that's what sparked his train of inspiration to start Grand Time. Yeah, yeah, it was funny. He was telling us uh, one of the episodes we had him on. And he, as he's going on and on, Amy and I at the same time we were like, the Pat Stay Hollahan battle. And Direct's like, yeah, yeah. He's like, Pat wasn't talking shit. That's actually a thing that happened. Direct was actually inspired from the Elements League. That's yep. pretty crazy. So, Fendi fact. Yeah, Fendi fact. Uh, industry rappers, uh, they, we got them uh, at least pretending they're interested. Some of them are interested. Uh, I, por- par- I partially blame you for this because the first big one I can think of is Cassie versus Diz. I know you had a lot to do with that, that E3 event. What uh, what are your thoughts on it? Uh, and not necessarily Cassidy jumping over. I just mean the industry guys getting into it. Is it? Uh, do you think they're set up for failure? Because I think they kind of are. Uh, it's just what they do on a regular basis, in my opinion, is not. You know, you're not going to get a hollow to dom type of caliber performance out of out of a guy who spends you know most of his time and his career focusing on a completely different format of hip hop. What what's your opinion on industry guys jumping in? Well, first of all, if you're going to mention the um, industry news battling, you'd be remiss to not at least give a slight mention to the cannabis first disaster battle because that was really oh, the cannabis. first big one. Yes, I forgot about cannabis. I forgot about cannabis. That was awesome, though. Disaster cooked him. Which you could also blame me for as well. Cause I That's your, your, that your... That. <laughs> It's all Lush's fault. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think that yeah, I agree with you. I mean, like if you're um, if you if you practice karate all year when someone's doing Krav Maga and you step in the ring, if you're in for a rude awakening, and that's mm-hmm. kind of, I think that uh, it's not impossible. And I think that there's I, I do not believe that there's an increase of overall skill level in the battle rappers. They're not like a battle rapper. The best battle rapper is not a better lyricist than Kendrick Lamar or J. Cole and shit. Like, you're not a better songwriter. You're not able to do what these guys do, just like they're not able to do what we do. I think that the the disconnect is that they're not focused on the certain specific attributes that it takes to be successful within the context of battle rap. And if they actually (laughs) did and trained properly and really, like, got it in and were able to reduce their ego and see what it took and take some like more uh take some sparring matches and do and really like build themselves up they would be able to do it we just haven't seen it go down yet Mm. one guy that is he's brought up a lot and he's someone that i actually would like to see uh as time goes on i i expect it less and less lloyd banks he's someone who i think that could possibly do well with the right opponent uh krill and i too bad he's not here tonight because him and i have been arguing about this for years krill krill thinks that not banks is going to come in and smoke people but he thinks banks is going to make a real impact i have a tough time believing that 
when we had Nameless on, Nameless said, I'll tell you what right now, I will fucking cook Lloyd Banks for $5,000 USD. <laughs> and uh, we all laughed at everything. <laughs> so <laughs> you can either elaborate on that or who would you put your money on going into that? Who are you betting on, Nameless or Lloyd I don't Banks? think Banks is a bad choice. Banks is definitely would be one of the five to ten names I would mention. Um, someone who I think would like, I, I actually always have, I have a name that I always go to in this conversation and it's something that a lot of people don't think of is not far off from Lloyd Banks to be honest but I feel like based on his like overall lyrical proficiency but ability to do diss tracks and confrontation imposing physical prowess when you combine all these elements if he was like if he actually did the proper training within the context of battle rap I think the game would be a huge problem that's someone who I've said before, too. I, fuck, I wish Krill was here tonight. Krill doesn't think the game would be that great. I didn't say, like, you know, the game would be the best ever, but he's another one that I've brought up as well, uh, especially because... He would be a problem. He would be yeah, a serious the, problem. Some of the shit that he used to spit when he's putting out all those mixtapes with the GU not stuff and trying to take out 50 in them, there was battle rap bars in that shit. Like, there was personal exactly. stuff. Exactly. I mean, like, stuff. his... his, his, his his diss track against Meek Mill from a few years ago, he was, mm-hmm. bad, like, you know, like the game would be a problem. Um, obviously I feel like, you know, like if, if, if he wanted to, and he's done it before Conway would be a big problem. Mm. You know, Royce could be a big problem. Yeah. Like, Royce. Dude that I definitely, I would not, I would not um, underestimate those dudes in that format whatsoever. They're fucking monsters. Mm-hmm, certainly. So you never answered, though. Who you put your money on, Nameless or Lloyd Banks? <laughs> <laughs> right. right. Honestly, like in, because I don't think that Lloyd Banks would probably reduce his ego mm-hmm. to go through the necessary training it would take, yeah. I'd probably bet on Nameless. Yeah, I think you'd have to. Plus, there's so much for Nameless to choose from, to go at him with. There's, you know, so much ammo to load up where and, name, and nameless is nameless is fire too but the other thing about about him is he's one of those dudes that when he like i feel like he would lose a little bit of steam when he battled too much and he would get kind of like his inspiration would get stretched but i'm sure he ain't been in the ring in a fat minute he's probably sitting like he's probably on the low would love to fucking tear someone's head off so you would get a whole bunch of fucking aggression and shit. But if Lloyd Banks was in his full bag, I don't know. Like, Nameless would have a hard time with that, to be honest. Like, on paper, it sounds so funny to say, but I feel him. Like, my money, if my if my actual, you know, the, the food going in my family's belly is determined by the bet, I'm leaning towards Nameless. So were you, to skip over to some Grand Prix stuff for a minute, um, are you like indifferent to the judges? Do you have opinions on that? Or were you like stoked to see him as a judge finally for this Grand Prix? Oh, no, I was juiced. I think he, I mean, like, he's someone that I've been pushing for to be involved as a judge. And, you know, we, all of us as a staff, we, we all have been curating the judges together and try, it's difficult when there's so many different things that pop up and politics and different things that make it difficult to solidify um, a a worthy um, judging panel that is beyond reproach and, you know, um, held in high regard, like a reputable, reputable to the fans. But like Nameless has been 
as far as King of the Dot, especially, he's been one of the most respectable judges from day one. So I think that it's it was dope to see him in the mix. After the, I do get I do get concerned. I do get concerned when um, politics plays into the mix, and I think that a lot of people, especially in Canada, aren't really since you know in Canada there's not the same stigmas attached to people's political belief system and people are like way more which i love by the way people are way chiller about it but in america in america it's super divisive and i feel like this being really outspoken about politics affected people's perspective on him and um i'm not saying that nameless was but i do know that him and nameless have gone back and forth about politics several times and i'm not Uh, saying that i I believe that nameless himself is a is a um integrous enough person to look beyond that and judge based on the content of lyricism and all that but overall i feel like it it, there is like a whole black cloud that followed disaster throughout the tournament that from from the initial battle with frack and that had a lot to do with it yeah that after that initial battle with frack it's like fans wanted fucking blood. They were after, oh, Diz, Diz is set up to win this. Organic did this from the fucking start. KOTD wants Diz versus Sharon. That's why they're doing this. It, it, like everyone was catching hate online. Did anything come at you being the captain of the West? There's a few little tweets and shit. It wasn't too crazy. Yeah, I mean, bullshit. Like, yeah. Bruh, like, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, Frax, my homeboy, we have we have multiple records together and shit. We had just put out, been on a song together that came out like a month before the tournament. So it's like, it obviously like, I mean, this is my man's fracks, my, my man's too. Like Mm -hmm. I I didn't have a horse in that race. And I've seen, been came up seeing my homies battle each other since I was fucking in my early twenties. So it's not really like, I don't, I just want to see the best MC. I want our soil to be represented to the best yeah. of its ability. And like, it, it, the thing is this, like in the moment being there, I didn't realize that, like, I thought it was close and it could have gone either way, but, mm-hmm. um, cause disaster's presence is so commanding and strong. Like I didn't realize how it looked on camera. Like when I looked at it on camera afterwards, I was like, yeah, frack was low key getting at that boy, you know, mm-hmm. but in the moment it didn't feel like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what, uh, uh, avocado said the same thing to us. He's like, it's, it's just different when you're standing in a room, especially a small room, no crowd and Diz is letting off. It's a different kind of energy. It's a different thing to judge live like that as opposed to on camera. And, like, coming from the school of battle rap that I come from, like, you know, seeing that shit since the fucking lunchroom era, there is <laughs> there was no cameras. So that's all you had. Like, you'd be lucky to catch any footage of 10 seconds of a battle, much less a whole thing to be able to critique it bar for bar and all that and, like, analyze the certain nuances. Like, that wasn't, like... All you had before is the ability to capture the moment. And in the moment, to me, like, Disaster did that, like, pretty fucking decisively. I mean, Frank had a huge moment with the ripping of the paper as well. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, like, on, and when you look back, it looks a lot fucking different. But, I, you know, I'm, I'm not, I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that it was the first event, the whole judging 
panel and situation wasn't solidified yet. You had judges being like, oh, can we, it's a tie, or, you know what I mean, saying, doing weird, goofy shit, because they, like, and that kind of threw off and soured the whole thing. What's crazy is, if you look before that Dizverse fact battle, people were online posting, wow, this is the best judging panel, I love these judges, this is so fire, Mm -hmm. like, great choice on the judges, and it just, you know, on the drop of a dime, a complete reverse 180. It was like a Michael Jackson spin move. And fucking all of a sudden, everyone was... And, you know, I, I've been uh, on the receiving end of the witch hunt of battle rap several times and had angry mobs on Twitter on my helmet so much that, like, the, like the, the little response was light. And I think the way that I carry myself now, being sober, the way that I move, like, I'm a man of integrity, vigorous honesty. So, I, like, I don't... I didn't get it as bad as other people might have in that moment. Yeah, Organic took it on the chin too. He jumped out and uh, he took he took responsibility for any of the the mix-ups. Uh, you know, just even like he said, the way the one judge had a tie and then had to change it, and the judges weren't separate; they were now. And he he blamed it. He took it on the chin and said it was miscommunication, confusion. Is there anything that you can speak on of that? Any miscommunication between you guys? what you thought was expected, what he thought was expected, because he even admitted he just kind of was hands-off, thinking, oh, it's going to go the way I think it's going to go or I plan it to go. Can you speak on any of the miscommunication or, or confusion or anything? Well, it's like, you know, you buy an ant farm, you get the little fucking plastic thing or whatever, you put the sand in it, you get the cylinder full of the ants, you introduce the ants to that environment, and then what happens is up to the ants, essentially. You know, there's only so much at, at that point. What the fuck? I mean, you could grab the whole thing and shake it. You know, you could fucking kill the ants. You could ant practice. <laughs> Fucking ants. Dude, honestly, like this you know is what I'm why saying, I'm like, like how is how is judging in battle rap and how is the chaotic event event? And Lush is like, well, if you had an ant farm and you're completely <laughs> fucking on point. It's my favorite thing. Word, thank you. No, that's um because because that's what it's like. I mean, like at a certain point, like that's why if he was hands off, you know, like like all of us collectively obviously him at the helm of the ship put together um, an intricate judging system. We had judging scorecards. We had guidelines. We spoke to them all ad nauseum beforehand. We gave them the, the format. And then when the cameras were rolling, some of them decided to go rogue. Uh, I see. I see. The ants, the, the ants were going in whatever direction they wanted. Yeah, I'm not trying to say that. I'm not even just saying they're the answer. The whole event is the answer. So I don't want this to be like some degrading thing. No, no. All the those judges ants. No, (laughs) but you know. Yeah, that is. Do you find too that maybe some of the people involved near the beginning of this, or even any sort of bigger tournament, or 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 even league like a grind time you've been involved with, uh, some people that want to be involved are like they're all gung ho at first, and then. It's like, yo, this seems like fun, but they think that's what it is. It's just fun. And they realize, you know, after a, a time or two, like, oh, shit. And they know they're not, they're not the right suit for it. Is there is that a thing, too, where some people get involved and, you know, you lose a few after an event or two or, or uh, after day one of an event because they realize, like, oh, we're, we're not out here having a good time. This is actual work. Yeah, 
Well, I think that that was way more of a thing back in the day. You know, like it, it, it was, it looked, if you look at the old grind time and King of the Dot battles, it looked a lot more inviting and friendly, everyone smiling and laughing. And you still see that. People are still having fun. And I think that that infectious energy is one of the things that draws people in and makes people want to be a part of shit without a doubt. But it gets to a certain point where, yeah, and that's why we have. We have our, you know, satellite leagues. We have GZ. There's smaller local leagues as well where people can sharpen their teeth and see if this is right for them and if they have enough of a buzz. Because you're not going to have fun if you ain't ready to battle on King of the Dot and you step on that stage. You're going to yeah. get whacked. Yeah, I'm not, saying, I'm not saying so much the battlers, but the people involved staff-wise organizing. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry. <laughs> nah, to, for the... For the staff, I mean, like, at this point, to even get involved in staff, you have to hang around quite a bit. Mm. And it's kind of like unofficial internships pop off. Like, you'll see someone, they'll be a fan, they'll be at the event, or it's like a friend of a friend that, that that's coming around that is interested in it. And they'll, they'll kind of catch a glimpse of what it's like organizing these events and shit like that and they'll get like they'll get like a secondhand perspective and then they'll if they're if they're down because inevitably they're going to witness some fuckery because that tends to happen they're going to see if this is for them or not but you know like for so to even be a part of the staff you kind of have to hang around for damn near a year or two to even get down like that you know it's like joining a gang type shit you don't get put on Mm -hmm. the set right away especially not now, but also, also, if um, there's people that get down with it, they're fucking with it, and but they're not built for that controversy. They're not built for the, they want to be there when um, everyone's popping bottles, but they're not trying to sweep up the corks, and it don't yeah. work like that. You feel me? Like, you bleed with us, you cry with us, you eat with us. That's mm-hmm. it. You feel me? There's no you can't just be there for the triumphs and then fucking skate off when there's a tragedy. Like, and if you're not built for that lifestyle, you got no business being a part of our squad. So the same for everybody. And obviously, <laughs> obviously like you're happy, very happy to be a part of this and you know, you love everything you're doing. Right. So I also saw you mentioned though, like recently, not really like being here to host but that you do it because people want you to and that, you know, big ups to the people that give you that, that many props and that, you know, that's so dope and everything, but what, you know, that you're really an artist instead is basically what you said. So like, what prompted you to just say that? That's a good question. Um, because it ain't on me. It in me. You feel me? Let me slow that down. It ain't on me. It in me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I am not immersed in the culture. The culture is immersed in me. Just in case there's ever any confusion about that. Like, just I just wanted to put it out there for the masses just to remind them one time, like, look, like, like I am not a battle rap host. I host rap battles. A lot of people will say that, I don't know, maybe I'm the, the best person of all time to ever do that shit. You know, that's not me that says that. That's what you guys say. You you tell me who the greatest 
most of rap battles of all time is. Like, I'm, I don't want to be a dick, and I hate being arrogant. It's a character defect of mine. But be honest with me. Am I the greatest battle rap host of Definitely. all time? Definitely. Definitely. Okay, I'll take it. Definitely. Thank you. Thank you. I'll take mm-hmm. it. But that's not what I, I'm an MC. You know what I mean? Like, I'm an MC, and that just happens to be a part of what I do. See, anybody can host a rap battle. Anybody, like, look, like, look, at, look, look at it like this. If a battle is a song, a battle is like a hip-hop track, the, the host is the beat. The, the host sets the tone, sets the vibe, is the gauge for people's reactions, whether it's the, whether it's the crowd that are novice viewers or hardcore fans in the room. We set the tone. We like we're like the voice in the NBA Jam video game. He's heating up. He's on fire. You know what I mean? We're setting, we're setting the tone. We're setting the atmosphere. Now, obviously, we're not the most important part of it. The rappers are the most important part, hands down. They're equivalent to the MCs on a track. You know what I mean? That's who you're listening to. That's who you're quoting. But if it's not for that beat which is like the stage, the the atmosphere, everything that is presented. You could say that like avocado and what he does and the, the directors and the, the, the video crew and all that, they are equivalent to the engineers. Like that, that determines the sound quality, the overall listening experience, you know what I mean? The sonic template and all that. But for me, like I'm the host, so I got to set the vibe. Anybody can host a rap battle, right? You can host a rap battle. Hey, what's up? This is me. This is the battle that I'm hosting. This is this battler. This is that battler sponsored by this guy. Round one, it's on you. Anybody yeah. could do that, right? Mm-hmm. But there's all you have to do is hit those specific key points. And you can say it however you want to say it. You know what I mean? There's a mil, six million and one ways. Six million ways to die, choose one. Six million ways to express yourself and host a battle. You know what I mean? Why does everybody do it the fucking same? Why is everybody boring? It's a 20-minute video on YouTube where only 16 are watchable because people fast-forward through that shit. Mm-hmm. They don't, no one gives a fuck. No one gives a fuck. Why not maximize the viewing experience and create an overall energy where if you hear a Lush One intro, you know what level you have to bring it, not just as a rapper, but as the fucking crowd, as everyone that's a part of this. You have to feel the gravity of the moment, and that's going to inspire the rappers to come even better. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Knowing that they got someone that's thorough there. So it's like this. If I'm eating an enchilada, if I'm eating some fucking, uh, you know, shrimp yellow curry, you know, some oxtail, whatever, I'm going to do that the way I eat it, and I'm going to do it in a creative way that nobody else does because I'm an artist. So when I host a battle, it's the same energy. So that's kind of what I meant by that statement. It's like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I just happen to do this. This isn't my ambition. It was an accident for me to get the recognition I did as a host. It was just another aspect of my artistry, being an MC, being a participant in hip-hop culture, and that's just how it manifested. So wait a minute. Wait a minute. Like, let's be very clear, right? Like, this Grand Prix is not the same Grand Prix without Lush hosting, and, and many events before it, right? And I, I'm not saying otherwise. I guess to make my question a little more succinct, it, unless I missed something, that seemed like a really random thing for you to say. Like, I understand why you say it, and I'm with that. I'm rocking with you right now. But I'm just curious where it came from. Like, did that just strike you, and you were like, let me just say this shit? Yeah. 
<laughs> I feel that. No, like that's that's how I operate. So that's why I was like, this dude's just that's that's just real time narrative is what's happening right now. Yeah, it's yeah. Well, you know, like, like go, ahead. go ahead. No, no, you go, Lush. You go. You're the guest. Um, I put my feet on the couch real quick. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Fuck your couch. Your no, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Fuck your couch. All right. right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Rick James. Um, mm-hmm. nah, like really, really. Um, being being an artist and constantly using battle rap as an avenue to promote my music, which I'm grateful that I have because there's so many talented artists. Like we said in the beginning of this conversation, some of the best rappers in the world we've never even heard of, you know what I mean? So to be able to have this vehicle to help bring more awareness to what I do, I'm eternally grateful. But sometimes the Battle rap is so ubiquitous. It's so like it's everywhere in my life, and people. It's it's sometimes my general intention might get obscured if it wasn't for me constantly reminding people what time it is. So that's also like why I do these intros and I have my rhymes in there, so you don't fucking forget that as nice as these battle rappers are, I'm nice with it too. Exactly what you were, what you were explaining about, you know, being the 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 host doing the intro, or whatever. You kind of set the tone, set the pace, set that enthusiasm. And when I first started doing combat sports podcasting, my intros were like, "Hey, uh, fucking glad you're here." They were this flat and dead. And the guy who was teaching me stuff, he said, "Think about Bruce Buffer." He's like, is Bruce Buffer in the cage? Like, it's time. They're going to fight. No, he goes, it's time. And you know, it's fight time. So as you were saying that, I was getting fucking fired up. Like, yes, I get, I get exactly what you're saying there. Now, I need to know, you know, me, tons of other people think you're the best host, that the best at intros. Who, in your opinion, is the best at it? Aside from Donnie Narco, who is the best? I mean, I don't, I, fuck, how do I say this without coming off super pompous? Like, um, <laughs> hey, it's fair. You fucking earned think, it. I don't think anybody else is even in the same galaxy as what I do. Nope. I like, love that. They're, they're not. They're, they're not. There's nobody. There's other great battle rap hosts. Like, Poison Pen is an incredible battle rap host. Yeah, uh, organic is great battle rap host. You know what I mean? Like in his own right for what he does, you know, ops or not ops, whatever. Smack is great at what he does. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, ARP, Debo, all these dudes are great at what they do. Um, as far like nobody, like I am not influenced by anybody else. I don't use mm-hmm. any. I don't even watch other people host. I don't watch their intros. I don't watch other people do commentary. I I can't like I never you know Jay Black is great at what he does. I don't like that's not in the same realm as what I do. I feel like what Jay Black brings to the table is a very clinical, analytical, ESPN esque approach. That's what you know. You see him wearing the suit, doing all that. Like me, I keep it funky. I keep it hip hop. Like I come from a cultural perspective of the way I look at it. Like I'm analyzing. Like yeah, like okay, you're from Chicago. Well, you know. I know that you're from, and you have a double time cadence in your flow. That's reminiscent of Crucial Conflict, Speed Not Mobsters, and Twister, and the 90s rap movement of Chicago with the style that's known as sniping. Like when I was interviewing Gage, like you don't hear other people doing that. 
You know what I mean? You don't because I'm coming from a strictly hip hop perspective. I'm not I'm not influenced by Bruce Buffer when I host battles. I'm not influenced by, you know, Dana White or whatever the fucking uh WWE guy's name is. <laughs> like, like I'm not influenced by these people at all. Like I'm not I'm definitely not influenced by no fucking Adam twenty two or or DJ Vlad or any of these things. You know what I'm saying? Like not influenced by Ebro. I'm not influenced by uh, Elliot Wilson or any of these guys. Like, respect to all of them, respect to everybody I've named, but I am my own entity in hip-hop culture, 100%. I'm not influenced by Sway. I'm not influenced by Funkmaster Flex. I'm not influenced by any of these fools. Wait, hold like, up, I am though. my hold own up, entity. Hold up. Like, you just came off rip with Bruce Buffer, which is completely fucked up, because I was waiting for you to finish your thought, and then I was coming with a Bruce, Bruce Buffer mention, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> here's where we're going with that. Um, you know, we talked, we've talked to Direct a whole lot, and we've talked with him about, because he likes, you know, combat sports himself, so, he, you know, listening to him talk about back in the day, and like, taking things, like you have, that people didn't really know about, or maybe didn't care about, and really grooming it, and putting in the time... You know, I, I had said to him at one point, would you say then that you were the first Dana White of battle rap back in the day? It, t- it took a lot of cajoling to get him to agree with it because he was like, nah, I wouldn't say that. Finally, he was like, okay, maybe. And of course, like everybody on earth after him was like, oh, no, yeah, he's like the Dana White of battle rap, right? Um, so with you, though, like I wasn't at all going to say, are you influenced by Bruce Buffer? But I feel like if you're going to even come close to being like, I'm that dude, dude, you've got to be the Bruce Buffer. Of battle rap, like I'm not saying there's nothing about y'all that is similar. No, I, in any I, way. I get that, and, and no, I totally get that, and I can see how it would appear to be like that from outside. But Bruce Buffer says the same thing every single time. Oh, he he's got a point. He doesn't say he doesn't say slick shit like that. You know who I was the most influenced by? I'll keep it a bundle. There's two different things I was influenced by. I was influenced by sportscasters like Vin Scully watching the Dodgers growing up. He would always say slick little different shit. You know, I was a big fan of sports growing up, big fan of baseball. But he would always say slick shit. And I used to be like, it would be dope to be like a sports announcer. You know what I mean? So like that was something that influenced me. But that's such a subtle influence that I'm never consciously even drawing from. I'm just digging so deep trying to figure out where this came from. But really it's like, like I'm influenced by here's my biggest influence. If you want to crack the code of me hosting, it's the intro track to every single West coast rap album from gangster rap of the nineties. You listen to fucking Snoop's album. You listen to E40's album. You listen to all the shit talking, all the slick shit they would say, you feel me? Like before, like, Hey, what's up players? It's 1990 fever. You feel me? Like all that kind of shit. That's what influenced me. That's where my swag came from as far as hosting. It's like I'm hosting like the voice at the beginning of a gangster rap album. So every time you see me host from now on, just think about that. Because that's really where it came from. You know what I mean? Like there's no, and I feel like the reason why I have this, um, and I, I hate the way I've come across so arrogant, but I'm passionate about this. So it is what it is. And this isn't shit that I'm saying. This shit that other people say. And if you really wanted to decode the greatness, or if you think I'm annoying as fuck and I suck at what I do, if you want to know where it comes from, this is where it comes from. But I feel like there's there's a level of greatness that comes by not being influenced, by not being derivative, 
and follow because you could tell when other people watch me host and they're hosting battles the the have the same cadence like that whole da 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 that cadence of hosting I that's me in nineteen that's me in two thousand eight and there's still people that fucking host battles like that I don't even host battles like that anymore but like to me not being derivative offsetting my influences like let's say like we're talking about Snoop Dogg how Snoop Dogg influences my hosting when Snoop Dogg's listening to rap like he's he's not influenced by other rap to make his to create his hip-hop he's listening to Smokey Robinson and the dramatics and like you know what I mean old school soul and that's why that comes across in his music and you like to me you have to have influences outside of what it is you do or else you're just going to be sounding like everybody else Oh, I, look, I couldn't possibly agree with that more. And to be fair, I did not in any way mean that I think Bruce Buffer has influenced you. I just think that in the the lexicon, like the conversation Man, in the bigger Bruce picture. Buffer. No, I'm just <laughs> I, I know, I think people, people would be like, a lot of people would be like, who's the first host that comes to mind that sounds different? All the things you're saying, like we're in agreement. Right. Like Bruce Buffer came up because he did it different and he sounded different. And when he did what he did, he was the best one at doing it. We're saying the same thing. I'm just saying you're that right. of this. Not that you're like him, that you sound like him or anything like no, that. No, no, I, I totally get it. I totally get it. I just and, and I could understand how that would resonate. But it's like the difference is like not only is Bruce like there's no direct equivalent to what I do is is the point that I'm trying to like you can't make a comparison at the end of the day that might be the closest one but it would have to be like I'm a little bit of Vince McMahon plus Bruce Buffer plus uh what's his plus Mean Gene all combined but I'm more like Ric Flair oh <laughs> I mean I can get with that yeah I need I need a woo though you feel me? Like, woo, no. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were. I love it. You feel me, though? Like, that's, like, that's the thing. Like, and I really, like, and this is not even me speaking from, like, I I'm removing myself and looking at it objectively. Like, whether or not, whether or not you fuck with me or not, you cannot say that I'm derivative in any way, shape, or form. I'm an alien in this culture. Speaking of the, uh, the snoops and the and, you know people that uh, you've came across in your path, whether your your career uh, friends with from the start came up with, became friends with later on, we saw Poison Pen pull out the big stunt with Ice T. Tretch too. Tretch gets overlooked in this, and I mean World Technique. That's not the, that's not a surprise because I know him and Pen are connected. Ice T was surprised. Tretch Tretch was a good surprise. Do you got anything? Hell yeah. You pulling out anything for the finale? You pulling up? You pulling up any guests that people are gonna be like, "What the fuck?" Shaquille O'Neal gonna be there? Or anything? We'll see if anyone cool pops up. At the end of the day, I love my brother Penn because he, I mean, he is literally like. There's very few people that I feel like are more tapped into hip hop culture than myself. He's one of the only ones. Like he is like literally like the bellowing voice of every street corner and alley in Brooklyn. He is the true embodiment of this shit. And he's been doing it for even longer than I have more deeply in the game than I've been. So like the, the people that 
respect and fuck with Penn, it's on a whole other level. You know what I mean? And like that, you just got to give it up for that. Like he has earned stripes and his name rings bells in circles and not just like beyond people knowing who he is. I might got a lot of people who know who I am too, but like that demand respect that you'll see fucking ice tea pull up in the middle of Jersey city and park his blue Bentley across the street, hop out with Tretch and then walk into an event on the word of poison pen. You know what I mean? Like you can't duplicate that at all. And I have so much admiration for that. And I, and I aspire to, to, to hold a certain weight like that myself at a certain point. Um, We'll see. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. For you, though, because you mentioned right at the start of the show, Ice-T was one of your one of the ones you first got turned on to in hip-hop. Did you ever meet Absolutely. him or speak to him before that interview? That was the first time I've ever met what Ice-T in my like? life. What was it was super like surreal. It, yeah. it was incredible. I found out like the day before Penn had told me. and I was So I started mentally preparing for it, you know what I mean? But... um he, like, you know, literally the first rap song I ever heard was Six in the Morning by Ice-T. And, uh, you know, that's permanently etched, like, tattooed to my soul. And, um, you know, like, he was being from the West Coast especially. So it was, like, it was super cool. But he's such a fucking, he's got that natural unk slash big homie energy, like, chopping it up with him when he pulled up to the spot. There wasn't no bodyguards. There wasn't no fucking, like, phony Hollywood aura or none of that shit. He was right there amongst us in the fucking, he was among us like a damn fucking uh, video game. He was in the mix, <laughs> chopping it up with everybody. He was like literally giving advice. There was like a, a, you know, my fiance and I and like two other people were just sitting there listening to him talk like lace our tennis shoes for like, you know, 10, 15 minutes straight. Just him talking Same. about different things, conversation I'll never forget. And um, so it was real easy to, to transition that to an interview and um, being able, like he was, he's such a chill guy and, you know, shouts to Technique for really making that intro. I've known Technique for many years and he's another dude I have a great deal of admiration for. So having him in the mix was, was incredible. And he's kind of the, the one that made that whole situation make sense. Getting to chop it up with Tretch too, you know, like mm-hmm. going back to fifth grade dances, you know, dancing with girls <laughs> OPP Poverty's Paradise. Fuck. You feel great album. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah, album. Yo, uh, uh, not nineteen ninety three, Poverty's Paradise, all that shit. Their their first whole like right. three, four albums in a their row. First three, albums are, first three albums are classic. First three albums are Joker, yeah. all that shit. Uh a lot of people, uh, a lot of people sleep on Tretch because they, it's crazy they were able to make such commercial music, but still be like hardcore MCs at the same time. Technically, Tretch Vin too, but Tretch really is like a masterclass MC. And like I've even heard like he was a big influence on Eminem coming up back in the day and shit like that. Like people understate his brilliance, but Tretch is incredible. He was the first. Uh, one of the first rappers to put on for Jersey real heavily, obviously red man, queen Latifah as well. Tretch was like, you know, Tretch was a huge star holding it down for Jersey. Yeah. And he he had a a thing about his music too. I always found where it's like, it's like, like Jay-Z, you know what I mean? It's not like he doesn't represent Brooklyn to the fullest or anything, but he doesn't sound like that, that gutter Brooklyn style. You know what I mean? And Tretch, I found the same thing too. Tretch, he had just, he could do so much with his music that it, it wasn't like it just pinned to strictly like that, you know, strictly New Jersey style. 
Um, there's no, tons yeah, of guys he had in the great West. crossover appeal. You know what I mean? And like had yeah. incredible beat selection and knew how to make commercial yeah. infectious songs that you know white kids were playing at their fifth grade dances, but at the same time, yeah, <laughs> get loved in the project too. So that's you know that's that's something that is very rare and really can't be taught. And he was, you know, if you really think about it, they were Naughty by Nature. It was one of the first groups that really, like, one of the first hardcore rap groups that were able, like, that were accepted, open armed into, like, the MTV contingent and, like, white America was jocking super hard, but they didn't really, like, they still kept it gutter at the same time. You would see that from groups that were lighting up the incense and putting on head wraps, like, De La Soul, Tribe Called Quest, yeah. Arrested Development, you would see, they like they, they, they appeared to be non-threatening, so they got love in those sectors, but uh, Naughty by Nature kept it hood, and were still getting that love. They were one of the first to really transcend that boundary. Like, they, they you wouldn't have seen Goss Effects, Onyx, Wu-Tang, and all them dudes, you feel me, and I, I, you know, subsequently, my favorite groups, like Mob Deep, M.O.P., Helter Skelter, you know what I mean? Like, none of that shit would have come and come to fruition if it wasn't for groups like naughty by nature really kicking the door down mm-hmm. you mentioned that you were prepping for like the night before for iced tea when you do interviews like you know say it's a post-battle interview you're pretty familiar with these guys you know what's what um you know even even the guys that are maybe not as necessarily familiar to the uh, to battle rap fans no matter how hardcore you know, you probably have uh, caught wind of them, whatever. It's it's probably, I would assume, it's second nature to you. Is there a different kind of prep you do for something like an iced tea or an interview that you have coming up that's with somebody completely unfamiliar with you? Or, like, how does your prep process work for something like that, like an iced tea or a tretch or somebody you never spoke to? No, I mean, uh, to be honest, there's not that much preparation that I should probably should if I was going to improve certain aspects of what I do. I would probably do that, but I think I'm I dig into my freestyle battle or just freestyling bag and the same parts of my brain that I would use to freestyle to read a room, to hook my brain onto certain things to reference and um, to elicit a certain response. And that's mm-hmm. kind of the same exact science that I apply or try to apply to doing interviews and I you know I hope that comes across um with like it's not really like there's not really too many I don't have premeditated questions I kind of like to feel the vibe feel where they're at and like have a series of potential things there's, there's a lot of different directions I could go so if I'm interviewing Ice-T I already like I really like to I don't really filter too much of what I say. I'm a very genuine person that wears my emotions on my sleeve for better or for worse. So it's kind of like I have to trust myself to keep the conversation going. Like, you know, I see happened to know who I was and I met and we spoke briefly the, during the round before, like a few weeks prior to that. So like he was able to familiarize himself more with me then. So that was dope. But like, Really, it was just like, okay, like, I'm about to chop it up with iced tea. You know, this, like, I want to know what his, so, like, we're at a battle event, so obviously I'm going to ask him about battling, so boom. Let me ask you some questions about that. But but we're also both from the West Coast. What's it like doing that? What was it like coming from, he's a gangster rapper, he's from the gangster rap era. What was it like 
being against a rapper, but trans like, were, did you have any experiences and battles yourself? And would you transcend that boundary? And what does that look like for you? So there's these different ideas in my have in my head, and then just being a good conversationalist, I can kind of riff off of whatever he says, make transitions. Like you know, I used to do this shit when I was fucking heavily addicted to drugs. So being sober, my mind works ten times faster. So it's kind of like just chopping game. Mm-hmm. In the just, sorry, just, Amy, I, were you gonna I, jump in there? Yeah, no, I was gonna. Ask, I mean, like we, you know what? Look, you've been doing your thing, right? You've been sober for what 10, 11 months, and high five. That's dope as fuck. I feel like that's been the conversation that you've had with a lot of people for a, a, that entire time. So we're not gonna like really spend a ton of time on that, but. I am curious, and if this is too personal, just tell me to fuck off. I'm used to that, and it's it's fine. <laughs> but but is, is this like? I mean, you've talked a lot about this, and and how early in your life, how young you were when you started using. Um, is this going to be like your first sober adult birthday? And if so, like that's dope as fuck. But like, how weird is that? My first sober ber- adult birthday, first since I was twelve years old. That was my last sober birthday. I love it. So, yeah, you're talking 1993 was my last um, how do you feel about answering some random Twitter, Instagram questions I have for you? Sure. All right. So th- there's uh, quite a list here. So we're not going to go through all of them. And forgive me if I sound like a dumbass because I'm just reading. No, nah, get it how you live, baby. I know, right? Okay. So first off, who are your? What are your top ten favorite battles of all time? Top ten. Holy fuck. Um, <laughs> okay, 10 was the question. We can go with five. <laughs> okay. Um, I'll, I'll name a few for sure. Um, Matt Popper versus Iron Solomon. Probably my favorite battle of all time. Um, I feel like that was the battle that kind of introduced the modern era of battle raps. Like, that was like one of the first battles that popped off on YouTube. And it was the transition of bridging the gap between the scribble jam backpack style with the, the fight club, more street style that um, Matt's had. And, you know, like you would see personalized content directed at their, your opponents, but it was like pre-written and not a freestyle. That was like a very revolutionary battle that changed the times. Um, uh, Reed Dollars versus Trig um, back in the street status DVD days. Huge fan of Philly battles. I love the Philadelphia style. It's super fucking, uh, it's like they have crazy cadences and delivery patterns and technical skill, but it's just like a level of rawness and gutterness that no other region really captures. And I, I love, uh, I love like, like little colloquial eccentricities. And that's what, like I said, one of my favorite things about hip hop and Philly really expresses their personality through battle rap. And that battle to me is the, you know, the fucking epitome of, of that. So I love that battle. Um, I'm a, 
big fan of, I, I think I definitely got to mention um, Thesaurus versus Immaculate, you know, and um, mm-hmm. I'm crazy that I got to set that up and host that battle because um, they're two close friends of mine. And there was always like, that was like the, it, it was just like a heavily debated, people always wanted to know like who's going to, who's going to, who's better between the two of them. They they had battled only a handful of times, but only in the freestyle era and actually had never had a legit battle. And this was the first one and it definitely over-delivered and was amazing to watch. Um, I'll say uh, Passwords versus Hollow the Dawn from Battle of the Bay 5. That's an amazing battle. I love that battle. There was just, you know, two fools going at it east, east and west at the best of their, just like at their peak peak form of rhyming, you know I, I love that shit. Uh, I love Disaster versus Slave Sever. That's that's one of my favorite battles. I think that's five right there. All right, all right. Let's see. Um, we got a love lush shout out to the big homie. That's not a question. All right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> most underrated West Coast battler. Currently. Ooh. Currently? Mm. I would have said Saint before this tournament. But I think the man is starting to smell his flowers. And it's not because he's pushing up the daisies either. He's very much alive. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, the <laughs> Saint is, Saint was, he's a dude that I've been trying to properly get recognized since 2017. In fact, I first found Saint when he was 17 years old and um, he was battling on a league called LA Battlegrounds. Shouts to my homie Alcatraz and, and Woods RIP for setting up Saints first battle. He was in a tryout league from LABG called Catch the Fade. And what that was, was, um, you know, he it was a tryout battle and he couldn't even string 12 bars together without choking. Aww. But, um, and I was like, um, but, Within those 12 bars, I could just instantly saw it was the first time I saw him and I knew there was star power there and he was going to be fucking great. And uh, shortly thereafter, he had his, or a couple of years later, he had his battle verse Geechee Gotti. Um, and, you know, Geechee wanted taking off and being a huge star, but Saint also I knew deserved that push. And I've been trying my, you know, he's been like my main project these past three years in battle rap is getting Saint that recognition. And I'm glad that he's finally getting it. The reason, you know, I'm going to still say Saint because despite the greatness he's achieved, he's still being left out of certain conversations. Like he needs to be considered up there with, you know, the dude just beat disaster in a battle, but you need to have him in the conversations with B dot, Danny Myers, Geechee, he's top five in the West, hands down. All right, all right. I, I, I think I think everybody on this show rocks with that. So, um, let's see. Pancakes or waffles? Waffles all fucking day. You feel me? Waffles. You can put. I mean, you know, like pancakes is cool and all, but you know, I like the buttermilk joints. You feel me? Like, but I feel like. They're so much better with like chocolate chips and all this. The texture is mm-hmm. not as interesting. 
You could do so much more with waffles. You could use waffles as a damn cheeseburger bun if you really want to. You could fucking put chicken and waffles together. Like, there's so many different cool juxtapositions of waffles. They don't need to be sweet. You know, you could, like, you could flip waffles so many different ways. I definitely feel like they are far superior. I'll even, you know what? I'm going to go out on a fucking limb here, and I'm going to say that I fuck with waffles more than French toast, too. Oh, I was about to say, you fuck with French toast, I'm going to fucking cuss you out, dude. Come on, man. <laughs> I fuck with French toast, but I still like. I, huh? I, 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 you know what I mean? Like, maybe it's because I fuck with Jean Claude Van Damme. I like them fucking Belgium joints. You feel me? The waffles, baby. <laughs> You're ridiculous. Okay. Um. Let's see. I'm not gonna read all these. Uh. Okay. You don't have to answer this one, but have you ever OD'd? Yeah. Several times. I mean, to the Several point times. that like, we should be very surprised and thankful that we're talking to you right now. Yeah, I should. I could have died many, many times, easily. You know what I mean? I've had to fucking I've had to have Narcan at the house. You feel me? Um, I I OD'd on different drugs. I've OD'd on downers. I've OD'd on um, MDMA. I've OD'd multiple times throughout the years. I'm lucky that I even have enough marbles rolling around us upstairs because there's fucking holes in my brain that you could drive a damn tractor through. And I definitely overdrive several times. I'm very lucky. There's no other explanation but the grace of God that I'm still here. Well, look, we're all very glad that you are still here. So there's that. She she Uh, asked me about waffles and she said, have you ever (laughs) owed me? You are doing a fantastic job. Look at First time uh, you ever tried this, this right, Dan Rather, Jesus Christ. Thing. Hey, by the way, read Dan Rather's latest book. It's dope. But anyway, um, <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm literally just reading. All right, I've, I've got three more. All right, no, read it. No, don't don't even censor it. It's good. It's good. You, Whoa, you see, dude, like I, I answered like it without hesitation. No, I feel dumb when I'm reading things because it's like not in my voice, and I have to like think. Anyway. All right. Uh, what? Like this. <laughs> have you ever owned you before? Great. Anyway, um, what battler would you want to bring to a West Coast KOTD event the most? That that ha- I'm assuming that hasn't been there is the subtext because um, we you know I've brought damn near between organic and me and J Pro like. We've brought, we've brought pretty much everybody out there. Um, there's only a few that we haven't yet. You know, why not fucking bring Murder Mook or Loaded Lux? Those are like the two guys that, that I haven't got a chance to work with yet that I would love to work with. All right. Uh, has social media helped or hindered battle rap? I.e., are is there some dissonance between a lot more exposure versus trolling toxic fans bullshit on the internet. Well, I wouldn't be able to answer this question right now if it wasn't for the merit of social media. So I think that kind of answered it in and of itself. Okay. Fair. All right. This last, you feel what I'm saying? Like, 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 like if you want a more detailed answer, like, um, I think to an extent, obviously, like social media is only as toxic as we allow it to be. If I have strong a strong foundation of who I am as a person and I maintain that 
through prayer, meditation, and positive practices. And don't allow the opinions and the um, and the the you know the peanut gallery on social media to dictate my emotions. You know, on any given day, it's like I won't let the criticism, I won't let the praise dictate how I feel about myself. As long as I stand firm on those principles, then social media is nothing more than a tool that can be very, very beneficial. Now, I think that it totally is up to the individual. Obviously, like the um, the hive mind of the culture can be very dangerous in certain aspects, but like, you know, I overall think that if it wasn't, if it wasn't for social media, I wouldn't be able to have a career in hip hop to the extent that I do. And like, it would obviously manifest in a different way. I think that the positive, the negative is that like, yeah, it it takes away the need for face-to-face interaction and actually experiencing things in person. But guess what? Right now, we're living in the midst of a pandemic where that's not even possible. So if it wasn't for social media, we'd be completely disconnected from each other, including the culture. So overall, I would say when you look at it like that, it's fucking positive. Uh, Side note, we need to have you and RX on a roundtable sometime to talk about like mental health and regular health and like spirituality and all that. I'm just putting that out there. No doubt. That's my sis. Shouts to, shouts to Reese. Right. All right. So this one, let's see. This one is a comment. This one's a little longer, so bear with me. I'm just reading it verbatim here. Um, happy birthday to my 20 flame. My soul was complete when I found the missing piece. I could finally exhale, knowing you were my serenity and my peace. Writing over a hundred letters to you, while you were away, there aren't enough words in this world to captivate the love and longing my heart and soul have for you. You're the best part of my life, and I'm so grateful we found each other again. I love you. But P.S., don't worry. I have games and candy for you later. <laughs> uh, Marisa! Comments? On a left, how do you, oh, I can't believe you spoke to Marcus. That was so and nice of you guys. So <laughs> um, side note, only because, like, I have gotten so much joy from this, but, like, maybe not everybody who listens is privy. You got to tell this happy birthday, you got some dope new kicks story. Oh, yeah. So, um, my fiance, Marisa, um, <laughs> had apparently ordered me some two tongues like a menage a trois nike sakai's which are crazy ass fly hype beast ass sneakers and i don't even know how the fuck she found to be honest with you and i'm afraid to know how much money she spent on um but she ordered so like i was in la hosting the back home in la hosting the fucking grand prix came back home to philly to her the day after and there is a box and I was expecting another package. So I opened it up and I was like, wait a second. I didn't, 
like, I didn't order this. This looks like shoes. And I opened it up, and it's these crazy kicks. And I was like, damn, am I sponsored by Nike or some shit? I didn't know what was going on. But, no, it was my birthday present, you know, like, prematurely born into this world. But uh, it was very sweet, and I'm uh, very touched by her. And uh, that message, it's awesome that you got her to say that. That's incredible. Thank you very much for that. And um, I love her eternally. I'm very blessed that our souls were able to find each other. I mean, there's in the last like, well, since you've been out, there is nothing I love more than y'all loving each other. It's most of the time I'm like, I can't, y'all are gross. Can you shut the fuck up? Why are we on Twitter? But for some reason, <laughs> I'm like, oh, I love y'all. I love y'all. It's, it's, it's too much. But you got to rock those kicks. Like, I, I feel like there was a picture somewhere and I also feel like it was deleted. Um, but there, and I'm not a shoe person at all. Those were dope as fuck, dude. Yeah, they're crazy. They got two tongues, or there's four tongues total because there's two shoes, but they're really ill. I fuck with them heavy. Yeah, like, um, um, yeah, she, she's got good taste. There's not too many, like, I found, like, a female version of me who's just a lot more level-headed and uh, together and responsible and a lot less reckless than I've been in my past, but I was blessed enough to find her when I actually, uh, we first met. It's crazy because before we met, I remember one day she started following me on Instagram and um, I thought it was a catfish account. I was like, this chick is bad as hell. This is like, that's probably a catfish. You know what I mean? Didn't look like a real person. Type and then, um, then I looked and it said like, Oh, okay. Billboard recording artist. Da, 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 da. Oh, she's a singer. Okay. And no, all that makes sense. I think it is a real person. Let me follow her back. Won't you won't. And then, um, you know, we would like, like each other's com or, uh, posts occasionally, but not really interact too much. And then I was at the mass three event and I saw this super bad chick that was there. And she was like in the VIP area near the stage and shit she was with some dude though right and um i was like well that's probably her boyfriend newsflash fast forward it was actually her brother but he fucking walked Shit's around like Mark a guard Ray. dog yeah he, <laughs> he walked around like a guard dog so you think the motherfucker's her brother you feel i mean a boyfriend you think it's her boyfriend right like you know, I can't even I can't even push up on Shorty like that because her boyfriend's gonna fucking have a heart attack and shit. You know what I mean? Like, but, but it's actually her brother, and he was like, I thought he was mad dogging and pissed off. Turns out, I, you know, he's one of my best friends now. I love my brother. It's my brother too, John. But I thought the motherfucker was mad dogging me, but actually he just had a stomach ache and wanted to go home. You feel me? Like. <laughs> But I thought he was ice grilling me and shit, trying to, like, get near his girlfriend. It's really, he's like, I just want to go lay down so I don't throw up. You feel me? Like, because like, I ate too many He, he was like, take her. Shit. Let me go home. Jesus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he would have a show, would have a show left her. You feel me? Like, so I didn't even know. He was looking at her like, can we get the fuck out of here? I'm thinking he's like, if one of these dudes tries to talk to you, I'm going to fucking do a karate move type shit you feel me like but i uh so like you know like i don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you're you try to get like i'm slick i don't like walk up I, i've never been the type to like walk up to a female like what's up girl you have a fine da, 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 da. like i've done that shit before of course but like i like i'm, I'm kind of a peacock i, I like 
her to initiate the conversation. Like I'll put myself in the peripheral and like put myself in a conversation adjacent to hers. So then like we happen to start talking naturally. You know what I mean? Super manipulative. I know. Super <laughs> manipulative. Super manipulative it's naturally. Yeah. It's supernatural, but manipulative. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Supernatural and supernatural. Like, like I'm a fucking like a magician when it comes to these hoes. You feel me? Like fucking. Um. So I, uh, I'm trying to to get near her and get her attention, but like she's no matter what, she won't say nothing to me. I'm like, damn, I've been like fucking five feet from this girl's face for fucking hours. She's not even glancing in my direction. Like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Do I got a fucking Rudolph pimple on my damn? on my damn naris what the hell is going on here and then all of a sudden um all of a sudden uh we're like outside and she like finally looks at me and she's all like lush one what's up i was like damn you don't you do know who i am and then i put two and two together that it's the same girl we started talking and um within a year and a half she was on a flight to la and never left so you so you you baptized on that shit I bapidalized. Good one. There you go. Two points for you. Bro, two hours and you haven't popped off with that yet? I'm actually kind of disappointed. I haven't properly bapidalized on this forum. You feel me? Like, my trip homies hate when I say bapidalized too, but I can't help it. It's so good. I will always, it's forever going to be bapidalization. <laughs> my favorite thing. Between that and delineate, like, I don't even need battles. I'm just, like, word nerding, and <laughs> it's my favorite thing. The, the fun here is, did I ever tell the story of where Dapitalize came from? Because it's really, it, it's actually, um, I was rolling with two of my homies on the way to the face-off for the week, two, for the for the second round of the, of the West Coast Division. So I'm on my way to Avocado's crib. I'm with um, my two best friends, my boy, um, my boy Smokey and my boy Pistol. Um, you might know Smokey is a DJ for all the West Coast events. He's my DJ. He's my little bro. Great dude. You know what I'm saying? And Pistol, he's uh, been on a lot of music with me and has his own music. And you can find him on the Non-Perishables compilations and all that. Uh, incredible MC. And uh, Pistol... Uh, you know he's from Watts, so like he has a lot of family and homies that are gangbangers and shit. Like, and he's talking to one of his homies on the phone. They're having this conversation. The dude's obviously a blood. Like, I could just tell from how he talks, he's a blood. He's saying a bunch of lingo and shit that's like super blooded up. And then like he says something. He's like, yeah, you know, I'm just trying to go out there and capitalize on the situation. And like, throughout the rest of the conversation, I'm like, why didn't he say capitalize? Like, it just was like in my head, capitalize, capitalize. He should have said, Pistol gets off the phone. First thing I say is, why, why didn't he say capitalize? And just <laughs> from, from then on, it's been, it's been up and it's stuck with, with Bapitalize. And then uh, I introduced it, I think that weekend, actually, the first time when I was hosting, I said it. And it's just like, I'll see it in the chat, Bapitalize, Bapitalize. So, yeah. All, all the bloods out there in the world could thank me for that one. Had to do it for y'all. <laughs> all right. So in the words of uh, Family Man Hayes, but back to battle rap. As Amy was reading off those... Uh, fan questions like she was a game show host like they were trivia um 
camp. You comment about working with Lux and Mook. It's something you've never got to do, something you'd always like to do. There is a, I, I'd like to believe it's a misconception in battle rap that like there's no way anyone that is associated with KOTD can work with anyone associated with URL or Smack. First of all, is that bullshit? And second of all, wh- is there what has prevented you from working with Mook or Lux? Oh, we've come very close multiple times, and uh, you know, like we were, we were actually at one point gonna do an Ether Two event, and we were gonna do Disaster versus Mook, and I was in close communications with Mook and his people about it. Um, but been in conversations with as well. Him and I were on the set of the movie Body together. Big kicking it. He's a great dude. I love uh, I love people. I love Harlem. I always said that. And maybe it's because my dad's from uptown Manhattan. But if if I was from New York, I'd the show be from Harlem. I love their fashion sense and you know the rappers from Harlem, Big L, Cameron, Mace, like that whole swag is you know amazing to me. I love it. Love uptown. Um, I have more fun at uptown than I do in Brooklyn or anywhere else. That's just that's been my zone. Whoa. Well, why? Why you gotta? Love... Go ahead. Huh? Why? Uh, why? Why are you like Brooklyn I, though? I mean, Brooklyn's a whole different world. I, I, I love Brooklyn. I love Brooklyn. I spent a lot of time in Brooklyn. My brother used to live there. My grandfather's from uh, Brownsville, Brooklyn. So yeah, and I, I'm definitely no. I'm no stranger to the soil whatsoever. I've been all through Brooklyn from Canarsie, Coney Island, Flatbush. I I got a tattoo on me that I got when I was on Fulton and Franklin over there in Flatbush. I've been all through. Lush, no, I'm going to say stop. No. First of all, when we were talking to Pam, we talked about this because I lived off Franklin and Fulton, literally that intersection. Okay. Where in the because okay. obviously when I lived there, um, which was much more recent than I'm guessing your tattoo, there was nobody unless it was a street tattoo doing ink on that intersection. Where no, there is a tattoo shop. There is a tattoo shop right there. My man Slim, who was on the show Black Ink, had a shop right there. But like, when was this? 2013. Nah, bro's not there. Nah, this dude's not there now. But either way, like yeah, it might not be there now. There's been, you know, Brooklyn's gotten more and more gentrified over the years. But yeah, no, when like Penn's my big bro, like when I'm in Brooklyn, I function with Penn and them. You feel me? Like I fuck with Penn when I'm in BK. So it's like, you know, like that's a that's that's a that's a regular thing. I, you know, we used to go to that bar called Project Parlor, which is right across the street from the Marcy Projects over there in Bed-Stuy. I've been, the, I've been inside the Marcy Projects on top of that shit. On the, so, like, I've, I've functioned with Brooklyn Heavy, but I've just, I love Uptown. I can't, I don't even know what it is. It's the fashion, it's the energy, it's the history. I love Harlem. So, um, that being said, I've fucked with, you know, I've fucked with Lux and Mook. I've worked with T-Rex, you feel me? I've worked with, I've, I've hosted battles for literally every single legendary battle rapper there is a lot of them url rappers we've brought them to king of the dot and grind time from day one you know what i'm saying they've been around it's just different politics pop up fools want to fucking put pump the brakes on it and act you know act funny because that's just how certain fools get down 
I get it. It's cool. And the rappers wind up being the casualties and caught in the middle, and that sucks for them. But hopefully, at some point, we could do a we could get Lux and Mook out here. It's just them dudes ain't cheap either, so it's not just like a simple situation. There has to be, and like you know, there has to be like a whole narrative behind it. But I would definitely. Those were, uh, and it's not anything that I feel like is necessary to my legacy in any way, shape, or form. I've hosted battles in fucking, you know, five different countries and, you know, multiple continents and all that shit, three different continents. But I don't feel the need to, there's no battle that I need to host to to make or break my legacy in that aspect. I'm not even a host anyway, as I told y'all, but it would be dope to do that. Yeah, I agree with you. You don't need any battle to make or break your legacy. Your legacy set in stone, but uh, I, I get what you're saying. You know, it's just something that you'd like to do. W- one thing, just because you say make or, uh, make or, not make or break a legacy, but where something's needed more than not. I don't know why this just popped in my head. Probably because I'm stoned. Fucking disaster in Sharon. That is something that, I mean, I, as a fan, I want to see really bad. Lots of fans want to see it. Disaster doesn't need a Sharon battle to complete his resume and I'm not saying Sharon does but it is like damn that's one that got away do you do you agree with that and do you think there are other uh matchups that are like that where Disaster's playing it right Disaster can take that battle whenever he wants it if it never happens it doesn't I don't think it affects him the way it does it affects Sharon's resume when the when it's all said and done I think the greatest thing that's ever happened for the possibility of that battle emerging is both of them losing the business. losing yes the fact that they both lost now there's like that window which was that window which was barely open and then kind of there's like a glimmer of hope when they were both in this tournament and then Marv beat Sharon and that window snapped shut and now you got Santa Claus with the crowbar waiting to bust it open again you feel me so i would say that <laughs> there is a, there is a chance of that battle like mark my words there is a chance i'd say it went from five percent to 35 percent so you're saying there's 30. a chance so, yeah. you're, <laughs> so you're saying it's going to be the co-main event not, for not the finals chance, is like that it's what a, you're like saying? It's, a, it's like a a prominent chance and you might catch me in a fat suit with the fucking with the red beanie on my head being Santa Claus my damn self <laughs> what the fuck okay you, you've seen you know like like I said at the start of this you know insinuating that you know you stood between so many people hur- hurling insults at each other you, you've, you've been a part of so many battles plus the things that you haven't been a part of I'm sure you've watched uh later on or, or live or whatever it may be what what kind of battles get your fucking juices flowing these days i i know i it's like me being a heavy combat sports fan right like it, it, you put two people in a, in a ring with gloves on and shit I'm like I'm, I'm ready i don't care if i don't even know them i i i, I really want to see it so i'm sure you like that with battle rap but like for me loving battle rap so much marvers ron that's one of those ones where i was like fuck this is one, you know, this is one for the ages. This is this thing, this thing can't fail. Is a Sharon versus Diz something like that for you? Are there ones that that stick out for you every now and then that are, you know, uh get your juices flowed a little more than just every every other battle? Um, yeah, you know, I, I feel like that's what I love about this tournament. 
the fact that there it's battles are now incentivized again. There's there's it affects your you, you can't just go home and it's not just two people that wind up pleading their case to the internet and it becomes a mm-hmm. popularity contest of who won, you know what I mean? Like and it's just like the court of public opinion determines that. Like, nah, there's a fucking panel of esteemed reputable judges that determine it. And you know, yeah, the fans have a vote as well, but it's just instead of 100% and there being no consequences and nobody has a record, it's like, this affects your record, this affects your pockets, and the fans are only controlling 20% of the narrative because there's five fucking judges, you know what I mean? So, and the fans are only one of them. So that's literally 20% of the overall narrative is that is Five judges gallery. or seven or 12 or however many happen on January 10th, dude. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. I think we're going to stick to the seven judge panel that, you know, like, seems to be, but it's possible, you know, it's hard as fuck to wrangle these guys in. So I'm thinking we're going to probably do the same thing again. But um, yeah, like, so I feel like that makes it exciting. Like I, to me, as a, as a spectator, because like I said, you know, like beyond being a host, like, you know, I'm someone with, that's very fortunate to have have the career that I do. I'm fortunate to have a record deal right now. I'm fortunate to have been on golden platinum records and toured the entire world and done fucking shows in front of 20,000, 40,000 people at a time and fucking performed at the same festivals as fucking Bob Dylan and uh, Sting outside of battle rap. No connection. Like my experience in the world of hip hop and music is so rich and I'm so blessed to be able to experience that with, with every, uh, every ounce of my soul i can say that so but i still get excited about this shit there's nothing i'm like just like pen bro there's nothing that poison pen hasn't seen there's nothing that i haven't seen in this culture but that doesn't mean that i still don't i love it with every just with everything in my entire being so like the thought of just it's, it's not a specific matchup it's the specific moment and it's just like when things happen that are unexpected and like you know saint getting a shot in the finals fucking the marv one's incredible run coming back from when people weren't expecting him to to even be in the mix like to getting to the finals to fucking uh to times like with the upset of the century against kotd champ real deal round one making it all the way to the finals fucking pulling out 50 racks in the in one of the like shit like that to me is like these moments that are forever etched in our consciousness. Yeah, uh, family man Hayes, family man Hayes too. He is he is just. I mean, it's funny because you know he tried to he switched up his whole thing from Sire Boy to the family man Hayes thing. And it's like there's there is a difference that he looks like Sire Boy and acts like Sire Boy, but there's a there's a reinvigorated swag. There's step to his swag in this tournament. No, um, there, there's an element of there's an element of maturity that yeah. he has as he didn't have his son that boy. Yeah, he is a family and I feel like he wears this style a lot better. And uh, you know, I always fucked with Sia Boy, but Family Man Hayes is, you know, that's that's my dude right there. Yes, yes. Uh Amy touched on this uh judges. Is there anything? I know nothing's been released yet. I'm not trying to, you know, get you to release news or anything. Is there anything you could touch on in terms of what judges you guys are angling for? Anyone who's going to be announced? What the system's going to be? Uh, fan judging still going to be a part of it? What like is anything going to change for the for the finals as far as judging goes? 
There's your 97 Man. questions in one. Go. <laughs> I'm giving them options. Part, yeah, it's like part A. It's like when you, oh, there's only three questions on this fucking math test, but it's <laughs> A, B, C, D, all the way to Z6. Um, fly like a Z6. Um, I, uh, no, so you're always going to see fan judges on Twitch. Because Twitch is big on fan interaction, and it's all about incorporating. Like when you, if you watch Twitch outside of the context of battle rap, and you just watch the Twitch, um, the Twitch gamers and all that shit, they they're constantly referring to the chat, and the chat's voting on certain things that they that they that they want them to do, and all this shit. So that's a huge that's a huge thing. You know what I mean? Um, so the, so, so judges are always in the, the, the fan judges are always going to be in the mix. As far as the panels, we don't want to switch our panel up from people that have already been in the mix. So you're most likely going to see a juxtaposition of some of the top judges we've had thus far. Ben Swayze, I'm sure will be in the mix. Um, you know what I mean? Possibly six seconds, um, some of the nameless, shoddy, you know, possibly Roan, all those dudes that we've been seeing doing an incredible job will most likely be brought back in the mix. There might be one or two new additions, but we're trying hard to stick to the panels that we've had so we don't have to spend time reintroducing somebody to the entire process and going through it, you know. Everyone's done an incredible job. Also, Boss Chick Reigns done a great job. There's a lot of great judges. Uh, how do you feel about the fan uh, vote? Do you think it's been fair? I mean, the fan, like, whether or not I agree with how they've been voting, I do think it's it's cool to incorporate and have in the mix because it's it's a good way to gauge. And, you know, it's 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 interactive. It's bringing the people into the mix. It's forcing people to, to dial in and pay attention and um, – Although there's no way to really determine how fair it is, I think that since they're going to be the voice that talks about it afterwards, True. they should have a I say in the mix. It just shouldn't be the sole determining factor. I mean, but it and, is if it's a hung jury, so... Yeah, that has happened a couple times, or multiple times during this, where it's been split and the fans decided. And I think that that's, that's valid, because at the end of the day, the whole if you really break down the element of emceeing and you like the because remember dude we can't really stray too far hip-hop's evolved but it's still fucking hip-hop at the end of the day and like you know like if you look at the battle in mc battles we go back to like even before the golden era like the earliest form of mc battling who could rock the crowd the most like we want to hear this guy rap get this other fool the fuck out of here get him off the mic you feel me like that's the core essence of an mc battle so if you don't have the people if you're not rocking the crowd it doesn't matter how many lyrical miracles you could spiritual no one gives a fuck <laughs> you have to be able to you have to be able to tap in to the crowd mc stands for move the crowd you master ceremonies move the crowd that's it so it's in, like if the sold so if it comes down to it if the judges are completely deadlocked what do the people got to say boom they like him they don't like you you win and the venue for the finale is that going to be the same as the rest of the west coast 
Um, Most likely, we're looking at the same venue. Looking at the same venue? So be the same setup? You know, I'm just try, trying to find out if there's going to be anything like, look, look, different. As long as, you, as long as you have internet, we're good with that, the venue. See, that's what I was going to say. Like, you know, like, it's, it's really difficult to find places. We're fortunate to be able to use the space that we have. Mm. Because right now, you know, L.A. is fully locked down. And it's fully shut down. Avocado can't fucking drive all of his equipment across the country to do it anywhere else. We don't have a limitless fucking piggy bank. Ain't no fucking dead relatives to fucking wire us money to fucking fly 17 people out to, you know what I mean? Some random city. We have to do this in L.A. And that's where the entire tech crew is uh, based at. That's where this, that's the base of operations for this tournament. We have to do it there. So, um, you know, there's only so many venues that we could even use that are open to us that, and then you have to factor in what, what's affordable, what has the right acoustics, what has a proper internet connection that won't drop when we're using so much bandwidth. So you just, you know, put all those factors and we, we don't have, you see what happened when we try to switch it up, boom, the motherfucking internet died on us. We can't have that happen in the finals. Okay, and as far as but the, what I will tell you is this: what I will tell okay. you is this: we have some surprises, and they are the, the surprises are going to be in the form of which battles get booked. Because the undercard matches, like it's fucking, it's a damn, bro, it's fuck a movie, it's a fucking trilogy, it's a Star Wars trilogy, fool. Like that shit oh. is beyond epic. Like you, you about to lose your mind. And and there's and there's nothing we can get, eh? I was just going to ask you that. What the hell? What can you give us for the undercard? Can you let us know what, which direction you're going in? And you just answered it without me asking and made it more suspenseful. You're going to see. You're going to. We're going to. We're glimpsing at our past. We're glimpsing at our future. And we're glimpsing at everything that defines us as a brand. I, I, I enjoy I, that. That sounds yeah. like this is the future of KOTD. And I can, I've always it been is. behind the future of KOTD. I've, uh, I've been, you know, there pretty much since day one, pushing the, the, the brand, the promotion as a fan, like waving that KOTD flag. That's no disrespect to other things. It's where I live. I live near Toronto. They're in my backyard. It's, you know, the closest thing I had at home other than watching shit on YouTube or grainy videos before YouTube. So it's not like, you know, it's no, not downplaying any other league. Um, so I can definitely get behind what you're saying right now and more future KOTD. And this shit sounds like it's going to be the biggest movement in KOTD yet. Yeah, it is. It is. It absolutely is. And um, this is what fans, anyone that's been a fan of this tournament and anyone that's a fan of the overall King of the Dot brand is going to be beyond excited about this all right i mean like look it's it's no like mom's spaghetti which turned out to be bullshit j-pro but anyway um <laughs> I, I in closing or at least before we wrap with you maybe this is because i have followed you for like so long um and i, I feel like i've heard a lot of things it seems like you have said for you all there is to say Right. Like you have so many experiences and so many outlooks and so many opinions and so many stories, which is what we're here for, obviously. And like people love to hear and ask about it. But like 
what is something, whether it's a podcast or a conversation face-to-face, or wherever, whatever the venue, whatever the context, what is something that you would like to talk about or wish somebody would ask you about that you never get asked, that you never get to just pop off about? I mean, you already asked me about pancakes and waffles, so I mean, like, where can we go from <laughs> Bro, there? Don't, don't, don't fuck with me. Come on now. <laughs> With the best follow-up ever. <laughs> Pancakes or waffles? You ever overdosed? You ever killed anyone? Yeah, look, you ever overdosed? If you want well, pancakes versus waffles questions, we can have an entirely different conversation that is all those questions. So, one time I overdosed on waffles at Roscoe's. To be honest, with you. <laughs> stop. Oh, ugh. I have overdosed on syrup. I'm pretty sure too. Oh, to them ching. Um, oh, <laughs> nonsense, what do I it? wish? <laughs> I can't. No, yeah, and, I, and the I reason I ask is because, like, I know you are one of those people who's like, I'm gonna talk about what I want to talk about, right? So, like, sometimes maybe it might be difficult to find something that you haven't spoken on or that you would like to talk about but haven't or couldn't. There's got to be something. Like, is there something you wish people knew about you? Is there something you wish you had? more platform to shine a light on there's got to be something um i've i definitely wish that people would would tap into my knowledge more and and people do this so it's not like because i'm i'm very candid i'm very open people you know i hope i make people comfortable to ask me questions because i will answer pretty much anything you ask um, except for who's battling on the next card. That's the only thing I'm not going to answer. Um, <laughs> I'm out. But I wish more people would, like, tap into my brain as far as other elements of hip-hop besides just battle rapping. I get asked a lot about, and I understand why I do, and I'm not resentful. I'm appreciative that I even get a chance to have that kind of discourse, but, like, I have so much knowledge about hip-hop overall and i'm much and i'm more passionate about that than i am strictly battle rap and my own music as well like these are things that i would like to tap on more and 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 that's not to say that people don't because i get asked about all those things but i would like to do that you know just anything any times that there's a question like that i'm into it and you guys did it as well so i appreciate that but also like you know like anything like i have a lot of eccentric interests outside of all this stuff um you know like i'm people never ask me about comic books they never ask me about other genres of music they don't ask me about movies that much like all different things that you know what i mean like my, my my family background like again these are all things that i've done of hundreds probably over a thousand interviews in my life so like i can't you know like there's a lot that's been touched on but um yeah like i'm really like anything you want to know however specific obscure the reference is if there's something you saw me say that you like that's why i thought it was dope amy that you brought up like when you made this comment what did it mean and like you see like what you got out of me when you asked that question like you paid attention to something that i said casually in a post on facebook and then i wound up going on like a 20 minute rant when you brought it up i don't know if you noticed that or not but that's obviously a great question because you're tapping into something that i'm passionate about and not just what 
you think the masses want to hear from me? Uh, well, look, I know what the masses want to hear from you, and it's something that they hear from you anywhere that you choose to go, if they choose to listen. Um, but well, <laughs> I, I got lots of questions. Also, generally have no filter. Also, not going to keep you all night. So I'm going to follow that up with two things. One, and you mentioned this, this was actually on my list of questions as well as my social media list of questions from other people. Um, you know, obviously you've got some new shit you just dropped and I'm sure are going to drop also coming, moving forward. What though, the, the social media question was, is your number one favorite ever, no cap, bar none, bottom line thing that you personally have done musically not battle rap not hosting not at a fucking la riot uh just you know, <laughs> if somebody wanted to google lush and be like i want to listen to some shit that's out presently what what should they find i mean i think that, that my most recent single is like you know i put out a lot of music that i love i'm putting out even more that i love but I feel like my most recent single is uh, just like me and it's my core essence and kind of everything that I stand for as a human being. I think that's why it's resonating so well. And uh, that, that Mad Deep record. And, you know, I'm fortunate enough to have to actually be on a label and get proper distribution for it. Having a lot of people hear it. Getting a little bit of radio play. You got avocado playing it to death on the damn Grand Prix. And I just, you know, people tend to really enjoy it because there's no affectation. There's no, it's just me being myself 100% to a T. And like, coincidentally, it wasn't even like super intentionally done like this, but like, you know, it's just like, you can play in any atmosphere. Like it's, it's got hood elements to it. It's got bars. It's got dark energy, but it's more accessible and easier listening. There's no cuss words in it. You know what I'm saying? Oh, he's so on his like, Will Smith shit. All right. Yeah, I'm on my Will Smith shit. Exactly. You feel me? That's because I live in Philly right now, so I'm on my Will Smith shit. But, the um, city of not like, non-cussing love. Yeah, exactly. Not like it. You know what it was? Is like Because I was like, if you listen to my album, it's got very abrasive material I'm talking about. You know, I'm, I'm talking a lot about drugs, both sides of the game, from from the hustling aspect to the pitfalls of addiction and the juxtaposition of those two things feeding off of each other and the chaos that is spawned from that living in an environment like Los Angeles. And that's the whole genre of music that I kind of created, which is my form of hip hop, LA noir, audio cinema, because it's, you know, it's, it's dark, it's gritty, but it's inspired by this. And it's fully inspired by the city. You know what I mean? But it's, uh, my own take and interpretation on the culture and um this record like has certain elements of that as well and it's cinematic as well but it's a lot more easy to digest and listen to and i was like okay this is a record that doesn't need to be edited if it was going to get radio play i don't make records geared towards the radio but this one I was like, if, you know, this is something I can play for my fucking mom and shit, and she don't need to look at me cross-eyed or anything, you feel me? Oh, so he's on really some Snoop Dogg gospel shit. I love it. 
that's what it was. You feel me? Like, but if you listen, like, if you listen to what I'm saying, I'm saying some really grimy shit in the bars, but I'm just not, but it's just not as vulgar. And to me, like, it's not even like it, that actually kind of made me flex a level of creativity that I, that's on a higher vibration than I was even previously before. So, but I mean like the next several records that I've, I made after that have, a, have definitely got a few cuss words here and there to say the least, but like it's, I'm still dealing with the same themes I always do in my music, but in a much more palatable way. And I felt very proud of that record and um, it definitely it expresses who I am. Yeah, no, I, I feel that. Yeah, when um, yeah, it wouldn't. Uh, Do you like it? Is uh, the question. Krill, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. And I was just gonna say, Krill or Coast, who's unfortunately not here for the fucking umpteenth time I've said that in the show. Uh, he is fucking pretty much terrible at at posting things. Okay, and he, he messaged <laughs> me and he was like, "Yo, Luscious, Lush, Lush single, Mad Deep. We should post on the Billion Downtown page." I said, "You fucking know how? Go ahead." So he did. So he did. This is on uh, November 29th. And uh, I said to him, um, I haven't heard it yet. What's it like? And I'll never forget what he said to me. It's mad tribe questy, but a little harder. And the way you were just explaining it, you're like, there's hard shit in there, but not as vulgar. I was like, that's what exactly what Curl was saying. It's mad tribe questy. I was like, what a great way to put it, Curl. <laughs> I'll take that. I'll say that's a huge, that's a huge compliment, you know. But yeah, like I feel like uh, it, it, it definitely got like a. You don't really hear too much hip hop being made nowadays that sound like that. But at the same, you know, at the end of the day, I'm about to be 39 years old in a couple of hours. I can't be trying to make this fucking, uh, you know, it's one thing to make skinny jeans rapping, but these motherfuckers Stop. got leggings on. Now. <laughs> <laughs> they, they're, they're wearing, they're wearing tights. You feel me? <laughs> leotard rap. I can't do, I can't do that eyeliner leotard rap. You feel me? And, and that's, that's not no disrespect to them. But that's just I would be foolish trying to do that. I gotta I gotta rep yeah. where I come from, my era. So this that LA in the motherfucking nineties type shit, but just in a modern context, because we're not trying to be like we said earlier, we're not trying to be derivative. Mm-hmm. So so I have like a really important question that is unrelated to anything we're talking about. Um but... I've overdosed. Yeah. <laughs> that was not even my question. <laughs> we're overdosing a million times apparently now. Um, no, so like you talked about waffles versus pancakes and be still my broken heart, French toast, but, uh, you also talked about the Italian part of your family. You've talked about food before. Um, is that a thing? Like, are you just like an ardent eater and you're like my taste buds or do you like cook? Because I feel like I've heard multiple takes from you on food things and to be fair, I'm a chef. Jason is a chef in his former life. So maybe I'm the weirdo that notices this shit. But like there have been multiple <laughs> times over the years that I've been like, you just like to eat or like what's happening in your house? What are you making? No, I for sure love to eat. And I've like a very I like exotic things. I like flavors. You know what I mean? I like flavors and textures. And, you know, I like exotic music, exotic women, exotic women now. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, that's it. Like, that's just always, I like things that are outside the norm. So, like, eating is very big. Yeah, my mom's an incredible chef. 
and uh, you know she studied in Florence, Italy under Giuliano Bujali, like who's a world class chef from back in the days. So yeah, she's my mom got fucking handles in the damn kitchen. She go crazy, and you know growing up in in L.A. around a bunch of Mexican, like my, most of my close friends are Mexican, so I like love Mexican food, like you know real authentic Mexican food. Love all forms of Asian cuisine as well. You know what I mean? Love South American food, Caribbean food, like all that shit. Oxygen. Obviously Italian food. So I, I could make, I could me myself. I could whip up some pasta just because I've seen my grandma and my mom doing it growing up. But, you know, like my lady is a bomb cook, so I eat her food, you know what I'm saying? And and I like to order, I like going to restaurants, especially now that I can't do drugs anymore and I don't do drugs or drink. I love, I really get off on eating. It's kind of my thing now. And I'm getting a, got my spare tire is getting a spare tire, but that's all good because (laughs) it's, at the end of the so, day, man, like it sure, it sure beats fucking snorting crystal meth off of a toilet, you know. Big facts. Yeah. Big facts. Yeah. But so wait, so what's the flavor of the night tonight for both the candy and the fago? Okay, what 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 do we have, uh, baby? The pork um, patties with the azadu sauce. What, what's it called? Azadu sauce. Azadu. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had like some crazy French pork sirloin patties that were off the hook with some some I think it's called ajadu sauce on it. I don't know. It was fire though. She's got me trying to eat keto right now, but I've oh, no. a bunch of candy. Not with the candy and the soda. Yeah, there was there, there, yeah there is there's a bunch of zucchini chopped up right and. Um, <laughs> Yeah, there's like yeah. Instead, it was like this like pretend rice, but it was really just chopped up cabbage on the side. It was flames though, with a lot of olive oil on it. Um, yeah, dude, like we go we go hard in the paint. Like we're always eat like I gotta eat something exotic. I need to, if not super regional. Like since I'm in Philly, I be fucking up the cheesesteaks, you know, you know. Like when I'm wherever I'm at, I want a taste of the. I want. The du jour, you feel me? What what are they eating in the hood right now? Like if I'm if I'm in Maryland, if I go to Baltimore, I need to get some seafood, some crab cakes, and all that. You feel me? Like if I'm in Boston, I need some chowder. If I'm in Miami, I need some um, I need some fucking uh, Peruvian food, some Cuban food. You know what I'm saying? Like like that's just the way I, I love Jamaican food. Wherever I'm at, like if like so wherever I'm at, when I'm in New York, I need chopped cheese. When I'm in Chicago, I need like some fucking fire ass hot dog. When I'm in you like that LA, I'm for sure smacking the best street tacos in the hood. Period. Like that's just it. He's like something decadent and I'm I'm eating a po' boy sandwich in Louisiana. Don't, I'm eating don't talk to me about no chicken and, go on. What do you eat oh, in Montreal? What do you eat in oh, Montreal? For sure. Okay, Montreal, obviously the poutine smack. But, but, but the poutine smack, I fuck with poutine. But uh, there is, there's a Portuguese chicken restaurant in Montreal that is absolutely exquisite. And that is a very unique flavor. I fuck with the Portuguese chicken. I, I know you're dying here. She, he's talking food. I know you're <laughs> dying to say something. <laughs> No, dude, bro. If we're gonna talk about food, we're gonna talk about food all day long. Uh, literally. When I was when I was when I was in France, 
when I was in France, because I'm, I'm signed to a label out there, shout out to Chinese Man Records. They took me to some spot. I love animals. I'm super into animals, like one of my biggest passions. And these Wait, fools, like eating them or like loving them? No, like loving them, like petting oh, them and protecting them. So we're on the dirtbag dance. I hate I hate the fact that yeah, totally. But um, that's the, that's been me from day one. I'm super an animal lover, but I hate the fact that I eat animals. But it is what it is. I love the way they taste as well. I definitely I mean, separate. You I need to separate. It's part of the, the the food chain. Yeah, it's protein exactly. Right. right. They're like you know, it is what it is. But this I felt bad about because yeah, I I fucking eaten alligators. I've eaten frog leg. I've eaten all kinds of crazy shit. Um, when I was in France, they were like, "Yo, order this thing. It is very special. You do not have it too much." Da 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 da. But it's called fagua. So I ordered that shit. I didn't know what the fuck it was. But that was one of the best tasting things I've ever had in my life. But I didn't know that it was like, you know, that like a tortured fucking bird that they like lock in a fucking tiny cage and force feed till it almost asphyxiates. And then like, oh man, it's a horrible concept, but it's the best tenderest thing I've ever eaten in my life. So I'm going to put you on the spot here. Um, yeah. When we talked to Abo, I was like, hey, put Clayton on the phone. Right. So I feel like there are multiple versions of the show or, or editions that we can slash should have uh, with you. And, and we'll talk about that off the air. But I heard her telling you what you were eating and you have said and she has said that she is a recording artist. You got to give her a legit off the top, no holds barred, lush one intro. And put her on the phone for at least 30 seconds so we can get a what up from her and hear what she's got going on. Okay. Okay. Um, you feel me? Throwing um, um, fast loads to damage a whole click. The baddest, sickest blonde chick since Anna Nicole Smith. Give it up, my play partner, Marissa. What's happening? <laughs> <laughs> he, oh. he said something about remember when you did at uh at um it was the second one downtown <laughs> business like my girls like Britney and everybody just turned and looked at me. <laughs> I'm dead. I'm dead. Hi guys, how are you? Girl, look. We're good. We would look. For, thanks for taking, we don't wanna, uh, taking a moment. Yeah. We don't want to talk about us. We want to talk about you. What are you doing? Oh, oh my gosh, you guys are amazing. Um, well, I mean, me and Nick, uh, I got lucky to be honest. Like when I met him, he uh, he wasn't available, so I I backed off. I just, you know, I just we were just friends, um, and then we just became like really cool. Like he would be like, "Hey, how do I do this?" And I would ask him like, "Hey." Uh, if I'm doing my music, like, how do I do this, you know? And after that, we just, like, grew, obviously, um, into more. And since then, we've, we've worked on a lot of projects together. And it's been so fun. We just kind of have been continuing more and more. Like, we have something in the works. Um, myself, 
Nick or at Lush and my brother something to announce in the next, what, what do you think, like two months? Probably two months, so definitely look out for that. Um, as far as just me and my brother, um, we signed to uh, recently Blanco y Negro. They're a label out in Spain, um, and then we just put out some tracks. So, I mean, lots of good stuff going on. Um, nothing like, nothing too crazy, though. He's got way uh, more going on than I have. Hold up, though. I, I, I got some nasally something in there. Like, where are you from? Where are you from? Philly? No. Yeah. Well, I mean, technically, I can't say I live in Philly because I don't know. No, where, where are you from? Like, where did you learn how to speak? Uh, well, I mean, I'm in, the, I'm in the suburbs of Philadelphia. So technically, yeah, I mean, like. It's like Philly kind of slang, I guess. Everybody around here has like a very thick Philly accent. Like we're not, we can't be like, yeah, I'm from Philly, but pretty much like that's but, where, but ish. That's where it comes from. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely like a Philly native kind of thing. All right, so look, uh, we we probably need to have you on too, if we're being fair. But um, in, until that day comes. Whether it's you, your work, your crazy birthday boy who doesn't know how to open packages the right way, or anybody <laughs> else, <laughs> what what would you like to for you? And we'll we'll wrap with him here in a minute. But like for you, what do you want to highlight? Shout out like what's going on? What do you want to talk about? Who should anybody follow? Whether it's you, him, or anything else, like what's going on in your life? Ah, oh, thank you guys. Um, yeah, I mean. If you guys want to follow Urbano, I'm in a billboard charting duo with my brother. We've been signed to some really awesome labels. Um, shout out to 418. Shout out to Tommy Boy Records, Blanco y Negro, Humag Distribution, um, and Sony Orchard. So, you know, we're really just uh, trying to do what we love. And if you guys love dance music, then... I highly suggest anybody listening, check us out. Um, you could just find us on Spotify, YouTube. Um, we even have a SoundCloud. Just type in Urbano, all capital letters, um, and you'll find some, you know, very upbeat dance music. That's what we do. So that's pretty much, uh, yeah, what, you know, I got going on right now. And I'd like to plug other than, you know, my birthday boy opening up shoes that <laughs> he shouldn't have. <laughs> I mean, they're dope shoes. So there's that. Yeah, I mean, you know, if I'm just glad that he liked them. If he didn't like them, then that would be like a horrific, horrific story. Because when he doesn't like something, his face it turns this like he 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 puts on this like very disturbed. It could be like as small as like he like he doesn't like um, cottage cheese. So like if he even sees cottage cheese, it's like a repulse to the um piece degree oh, yeah like he hates mayonnaise and ranch dressing so i'm glad i didn't moment. get that face though because that would have been way worse than him opening it up on the on his birthday and then giving me that face that would have been horrific so at least he liked them at least he's gonna wear them because Dear Lord, my bank account is like, please wear them. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's okay. 
Uh, I can't. I, I just like also, are you like big in the shoe game or do you just know what he likes? Because I'm not. So like when I saw them, I was like, yo, what the fuck is that? There's like 74 tongues and they actually kind of look good. Like, are you, are you like big on kicks too or what? I mean, I, I like shoes. Like I like my money where I could see it and that's my closet. So like clothes, shoes, handbags. I know a little bit about sneakers. Like I'm not a prolific sneakerhead. Like I can't put it on my resume or anything like Nick can, but I can, I definitely know about shoes and sneakers and I'm very That's much. That's what I should have said earlier yeah. when she asked that question, what I want to get asked about more fucking clothes, shoes. That's all I care about. Like, yeah, I mean, you feel me? that's something me and him very relatable. Like I had never met uh, a guy like into the same uh, kind of hobbies or, or just passion. I guess I should rather say, like with the shoes and the clothes and the matching, like when we go out, it's a it's a disaster. You gotta give us like a three week notice. Yes, yeah, the, <laughs> the Grammys when we step out. I'll tell you why. Like you've never seen me repeat a motherfucking outfit. I don't even even the shit you can't see. I'm not wearing the same draws. I'm not wearing the same <laughs> kicks. But I don't want to hear nobody in battle rap culture talk about no type of fashion shit. With like like there's nobody. Because I, I got the motherfucking game cornered. The only person that rivals me is her. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. <laughs> I mean, but that's why we kind of combine forces into one intergalactic fashionista yeah. kind of superhero. That's what that's what happened. Exactly. Nefarious supervillain <laughs> slash anti-hero. Yeah. <laughs> that's pre- I mean, that's, that's exactly what happened. With Gucci draws on. Yeah, wow. I remember the first time I met him, <laughs> his outfit, I was like, I have never seen somebody put an outfit like that together. You had like your, t- it was like a brown tie-dye and then like the, the high shoe, um, high-waisted sock, or high-waisted, the high uh, top sock. I'm trying to make me sound like Foxy Brown out there. <laughs> <laughs> no. I, I had psychedelic Chuck Taylors yes. on that I painted myself yes, on did. LSD. And I think you had like USA or like they were like USA colored socks. Oh yeah, I did. Yeah, right. it was right. like really groovy. Um, and yeah, your tie dye—it was like a brown and yeah, I had the like tie dye Gavante shirt yeah, on. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you see, and it, it, it runs the motherfucking Grammys when we step out. Please believe that. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, it, so if y'all if y'all were designing a custom pair of Chuck Taylors for each other, what would each have on them? That's funny that you said that, huh? Because I, I owe her a pair of Chuck Taylors. Because uh, I told her that no, first night. Ma- ma- Merry they Christmas. Were Chuck Taylors. No, they weren't. Oh, God. You said you, no, 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 no. You said they you were, were going to, no, shush. You said you were going to paint my Tim. Oh, yeah, okay. Oh, yeah, okay. Oh, but I was wearing yeah, Chuck okay. Taylors. I yes, was, yes. I turned a twenty dollar. I turned turned a fifty dollar pair of shoes into three hundred dollars. Well, you owe me the the Timberland. Right, right. Okay, because you from yeah. the East Coast, B. You about I'm to put Jay Murder on your feet? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> some Jay Murders, some Air Murders. Not, nah, but um, yeah. So, but the thing is, I don't paint shoes anymore because I don't take LSD anymore. <laughs> so we're gonna have to sacrifice that. But, but I mean, if you had to put something on them for me what would you put glitter yeah i mean um, glitter. that's yeah that's just standard. down glitter and then i put glitter on the glitter and then glitter on that yeah you feel me she leaves a room and there's glitter 
in the air. Yeah, pretty much. It's, I love yeah. this. Okay. Look, I hate glitter, but, like, I feel like I would support that, buy that, wear that, and feel very You get turned out. You get turned out being around <laughs> Earth. I'm you done. say you hate glitter now. I'm it, out. It'll attack you like a fungus. <laughs> you'll, it'll be all over you. Never get away. You all right, Marissa. And, and Reese is gonna put on. You 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 look you you think you work in a strip club by the end of the night. Oh, no. <laughs> and I'm sorry, yeah. Okay. Your turn. Goal is accomplished, Amy. I would definitely. I feel like I would definitely be having someone because I'm not that great at painting or anything like that. But I'd have someone probably draw like major figures of like hip hop on his that shoes. That sounds whack. I'm not You would love that. that. Are you kidding me? That sounds whack as fuck. You would I don't want no that. fucking that sounds so Pythonful. Like You wouldn't I, want you wouldn't want like people that you listen to all the time like drawn and painted like custom. No, that sounds kinda that sounds kinda whack. But why don't you like if you said like Selena or like Sade or like Amy Winehouse, some shit oh, like that, Marilyn Big, Monroe, yeah, we could do that. Yes, okay, we could do that. Well, then I we mean, but, but, but well, I mean, it would be the number one choice. I don't want your fucking Tupac sneakers. I wish. <laughs> I love Pac, but Jesus Christ. I was thinking like Prodigy or. I don't want no damn Prodigy sneakers. All right. Well. <laughs> My God, I thought I knew better. I mean, look, no, you you, know you, me, bro. you're welcome. <laughs> so you know what to buy in the future. I'm here for you. Yes, I mean, shoot, I'm glad I got it right this time because I, t- I tell you, I'm getting the mayonnaise face right now. Do you know? Dude, you really think what? I want some fucking sneakers with Biggie Smalls painted on them? No, I think that you like unique things with one-of-a-kind detail because you don't want anybody else to have that. Yeah, yeah, okay. We're going, we're working, yeah, yeah, we could do that. So something like <laughs> that, that's what I think. Not anything generic, like, or something like California, like. Something that says my hood on it, you yeah, feel me? Yeah, or like, like 667. Some, I was going to say maybe 667. Something some that says, like, 5150 and, like, you feel yeah, me? Yeah, like, so, Old like English. yeah. Something but like if it's that. on, like, a designer piece, like, the juxtaposition of something hella street, but something hella exotic at the same time. Yeah. That's, well, like, that's the what stuff. I was going for. Something unique, but street, that, to your roots, because that's what you love. All right, Madonna. <laughs> Lush, I feel like my sister and your girl just stole our phones from us and started having a conversation. I, they you. did. <laughs> they did. Um. Anyway, they did. to to wrap up on that thought, oh, what a killjoy! All right. Um. So, Lush, <laughs> obviously you got to come back on at some point. Uh, Marissa, easy come. You also, and I feel like this could be a fun, like, four-way or if Kirill is here, five-way conversation. But at some point, we have to, Lush, look, I love you. I love you big. I love you big long time. But you got to let her come on without you at some point, okay? Hey, easy call, easy call. Hey, <laughs> ain't, ain't no handcuffs on this, you feel me? Like, so you roam free in these streets? It's all good. I mean, this, this is the guy with big issues. I don't know. Yes, he's in a cage. After midnight, because if you feed her, she'll turn into a fucking gremlin. 
<laughs> I'm gonna have to send you some pictures of my dog. But anyway, no, no. Like, we're, we're gonna wrap soon. Like, we've been blessed with three hours with you, so we're not gonna talk until our ears fall off here. But either way, legit. Like, I love y'all. I love her. Maybe even well, we love you. Which is more than I expected. To even I'll take think. it. But but like y'all gotta come back on together and separately. That's all I'm saying. No, she's I, I'm the look. She's the personality. Clearly. Stop. <laughs> y'all are the both both the same personality, no. which is why you vibe. No, so she's long. the look. She, she she's the looks and the personality. I'm just I just got lucky. All right. So lush. Like Amy just said, you know, you blessed us with three hours of your time. And, uh, you know, I'm sure as the, you know, repeat listeners hear this shit when I'm talking to guys like you, talking to guys like Penn, talking to guys like Direct. And this is no slight on the people that don't have as deep a history. Uh, but, you know, when I get to talk to you, you, you guys and you guys give me this much time, it's fucking crazy. Because think of how many years I've been watching you. Right. And been a fan of yours. And I didn't work in this area before. And and now I am. And and for for you to give me this much time off of uh, what we've done so far is something I I really appreciate. So it's not some sort of pandering or some shit. That's like I said, it may sound like. No, man, y'all do an incredible job. And uh, not that many people would be able to sustain my interest for this long. And uh, I greatly appreciate the insight the you know just like how much you put into your craft it's it's quite palpable and you do an incredible job and i'm honored to be a part of it i'm down to fuck with y'all anytime thank you we really appreciate that and uh, there's other you got so many things going on the music obviously the kot grand prix uh the future of kot stuff and everything else what do you want to plug and tell everyone where they can find you facebook Twitter, Instagram, whatever it may be. Man. Hockey sticks underscore Skrilla sign H block O N E pill Lush One, baby. Look me up anywhere. There's a space between the Lush and the O N E. You'll find me on your digital streaming platform of choice. And um I'm everywhere. You ain't never there. You feel me? Amy, anything else you want to get in before we let Lush go? I, look, if you want to talk until 3 in the morning, sure. But for <laughs> for tonight, nah, I'm good. Thank you for coming right. on. It, it's definitely an honor rocking with y'all. We're going to get it popping again. Can't wait till this is out. Hopefully a lot of people will give it a gander. And uh, yeah, it's all love. Remy Barton for Lush One. I'm Jay Kelly. This is The Bill in Downtown. We out. Peace. Building downtown, building downtown, building downtown, building downtown. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts.